brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the Wrestle Addict Radio Network. Radio Network. Hey, what's up, you guys? What is going on, everybody? What up, fam? Hey, it's me. What up, Ooses? What's up, guys? This is the Monday Night Delight. Are you looking for a network that brings you all things pro wrestling? Then look no further. Wrestle Addict Radio brings you a varied source of wrestling content. What's going on, guys? This is Willie T. My name is Mr. Press. This is your resident smart slayer. Search for Wrestle Addict Radio on all major podcast platforms and be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Buzz, buzz, guys. My name is Kate Murphy of the Kings of the Ring podcast and you are listening. And you are listening. And you're listening. And you are listening. And you are listening. Get ready for a war because you're listening. Come join the war each and every week as we fight to keep wrestling real. What's up, everybody? This is Katie Ricky Rose and you are listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. Radio, 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 radio. Hi, Nathan, it's Chelsea. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for ordering one of these. Um, I loved all your kind comments. You know, it's a lot of the times on social media we don't get very nice comments. Um, so I really appreciate all of the amazing things you said and uh, just makes me want to work harder, you know, and, and succeed for everyone who supports me. So I really appreciate that. Um, I am driving right now, so I totally should not be recording this, but I thought, why not? Um, I'm, I'm actually on my way tomorrow to NXT um, TV. We're going to film some episodes, so that's really exciting, um, and I can't wait to just watch and see how it all works. Anyway, I hope that you have an amazing week, an amazing weekend, and a great Christmas, and thank you so much for ordering one of these. What's up, everybody? This is Will Tarashuk, T's and Thomas, A-R-A-S-H-U-K, but you already knew that because this is the one of the hosts of the Kings of the Rings podcast. And guys, we are releasing new content every single Thursday on Wrestle Addict Radio. We cover it all from WWE to NXT to AEW and beyond. So join us every week, Kings of the Rings podcast. We'll love to have you, and you won't regret it. Woo, Deuces. Woo, woo. You know it. What up, fam? It's your boy, JC Bones, the host of the Fourth Wall WrestleCast. And you are making a change because you're listening to the Game Changer Podcast only on Wrestle Addict Radio.
This was quite the uh, intro that I really made for this. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Game Changer Podcast, a part of Wrestle Attic Radio. You can definitely check us out on Twitter at Attic underscore Wrestle. Be sure to also check out everybody else of the Wrestle Attic Radio family, including Gift the Podcast, the Kings of the Rings Podcast, the Fourth Wall Wrestlecast, and Not Your Mama Soap Up Podcast. I am Nate the and Great, and I'm being joined here by the one and only, the only royalty that matters in Canada, that being the one and only Mr. Fretz. How's it going, my good sir? Not too bad, my man. It's me, it's me, it's Mr. Fretz, Prime Minister of WrestleLotic Radio at the legendary JF. And, yeah, I'm good. There's been an interesting week of wrestling with the wide variety that is on. I just finished watching uh, NWA Power, and I gotta say, it is wicked awesome. It has a really cool old school feeling, kind of like you're watching a USWA taping from the 80s, or it's like WCW Saturday Night, and I gotta give a big shout out to uh, Jay Bone on uh, Smash This Podcast, who who was covering it this week, and uh, he highly recommended it to me. I thoroughly enjoy it, so hey, big shout out to to you, sir, and I have to give one more shout out to uh, my co-worker, Zach, who I am trying to get into Wrestle Attic Radio. Him and his mom, uh, Rhonda, are big wrestling fans, and uh, him and I have been shooting the shit about about this stuff all summer. So, yeah, and I'm on a day shift today, so the night shifts are soon coming to an end until next year. At least until that time. But you know what? We're just going to celebrate one baby step at a time. Celebrate one small victory at a time. And guys, before we go any further, for those of you that are very curious, uh, that was indeed the one and only NXT's own Chelsea Green that was a part of the start of this podcast. And i got to give these guys a cheap plug. This was made possible by Celeb VM. You guys want to get your own personal shout-outs, whether it's birthdays, uh, holiday greetings, stuff like that, from different celebrities, including professional wrestlers, so many great wrestlers in this list that they have here, uh, definitely go check these guys out. That's CelebVM.com. Definitely check those guys out. You can make something personal for yourself, or you can do something nice for somebody else, because why not? Let's make it the season giving this year, because, yes, it is that. So, guys, CelebVM.com, check it out. And thank you, Chelsea Green, for the shout-out. This was absolutely amazing. This was actually a year ago that I actually got this uh, personalized message. So for those of you that are kind of wondering, wait, why is she already talking about Christmas? It was because it was about a year ago. Uh, I want to say it was maybe November. might even have been December. And it was really cool to get the chance to meet her last year at All In. She's a sweetheart. And honestly, I'm looking forward to seeing the day where she and Woo Woo Woo, the broski, the man at this point... Zach Ryder, tie the knot. Again, congratulations to you guys for the engagement, but also looking forward to seeing what you guys have in the future. Now, that being said, like Fred said, it's been a bit of an emotional week, a bit of a crazy week. Uh, you know what? We definitely should talk about this because this is kind of like a interesting deal. Uh, gosh, I mean, I don't even know if I won't even talk about this. Um, since we are recording... On Thursdays, we definitely don't get a chance to cover uh, Friday Night SmackDown, but we definitely should cover the premiere of SmackDown on Friday nights this past week. For the most part, it was pretty interesting, uh, but it had probably one of the uh, more interesting endings to the show, which had the WWE title matchup, Brock Lesnar versus Kofi Kingston. Brock beating Kofi in a matter of seconds, 1F5, 1-2-3. Brock is the WWE champion, and then we hear... 
Booyaka Booyaka, 619 Rey Mysterio's music hit. He came out, assumingly we thought, hey, he's going to avenge the fact that he and his son got the crap beat out of him on Monday Night Raw. Well, he comes out in an arm sling, and I'm thinking to myself, wait, is that... Wait, is that, is, is that dominant? No, that's... Oh, that's Cain Velasquez. Oh, okay, they're tying in UFC stuff with WWE stuff, because why the hell not at this point? Uh, so they are setting up Cain Velasquez versus Brock Lesnar, future down the road, possibly Survivor Series. All depends on how Cain's been doing with his earring deal. A lot of mixed feelings about this, because one hand, you literally could have given Kofi Kingston at least maybe five to ten minutes of at least putting up a good fight and being a... great WWE champion instead of just having him lose in like 10 seconds. I mean, I understand the point of it, but that segment with, you know, Velasquez and Brock Lesnar, that only takes about like five minutes to do. You didn't need to shorten that matchup just to prolong this deal. Just, I I was not a big fan of it. I mean, overall, SmackDown was pretty good. I thought the whole Rock, Becky Lynch, and Baron Corbin segment was amazing. I... Kind of saw the whole STD chance coming, but at the same time, it was entertaining nonetheless. Uh, so, so SmackDown was, SmackDown was, I think, okay. It wasn't like the best premiere. Uh, they showed a lot of the legends in the crowd, ooh, ah, but that's kind of about it. Other than the whole deal with uh, Braun Strowman and Tyson Fury, which, again, some people probably care about, others not so much. I'm kind of that person that's like, I really do not care about this. I get it. It's Fox. They want to try to get more people involved. They want to get more celebrities involved in this. I get that. But at the same time, you got to establish your own brand. That's my opinion on that. But, Mr. Fretz, what did you think about SmackDown and the events that transpired? Well, first off, screw Brock Lesnar. Screw Cain Velasquez. I don't give two flying hoots about that. I don't know who Tyson Fury is. I barely know who Cain Velasquez is because I haven't watched UFC since, uh, like, Ken Shamrock versus Dan Severn, like, 1996. So I couldn't give two flying Fs. Um, Kofi, I am not going to use the word buried. I don't think he was. I think they just did him dirty. Like, that was stupid. The lat- I, I was thoroughly entertained by the ladder match with KO and Shane O'Mac. Oh, and f- funny thing right now, I was just on Twitter, and um, Kevin Owens has been moved to the alumni section of WWE.com. <laughs> uh, something screwed up. <laughs> Unless I'm like, oh, don't add this layer to another storyline, please. Uh, Baron is a star. You're sharing the ring with The Rock and Becky Lynch. Uh, you have Chance and uh, gimmicks that are going to follow you for the rest of your career. Even Becky said that. It's like, that's going to follow you for life there, mate. Like, ah. Uh. And a lot of people were pissed off at, like, oh, The Rock just jumped out and buried Baron. Like, no. You're a top notch star. You're a, what's that term? Top tier talent. If you're sharing the ring with someone of the caliber of The Rock, even if it, even if it's just a uh, in-ring segment to, to get heat on you, uh, I, I I loved it. Uh, I think there was a couple. There was a tag match with four horsewomen. It was just okay. Either match was fine. There was probably another match in there. I think with uh, uh, Chad. Don't call me Shorty Gable. Uh, I'm, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to 
remember because there's been just so much wrestling this week that uh, mm-hmm. I'm all <laughs> almost had enough. Yeah, <laughs> and I and I don't and I never say that as a fan. Like, uh, give me all the content. Like, Dynamite was great last night. I didn't watch NXT, but I know the results and I saw the. Uh, highlight, pack, highlight package. The highlight package, but I am watching it. Like when I get off work tonight, uh, I'm going to watch that in UK and just uh, veg out with both of them because they both look good. Nice. Yeah, I'm hoping I get a chance to at least see Kushida versus Walter because I've heard that that's like one of the best matches of the week. Um, very hard to deny that. Although Dynamite does put up a very good fight when we get to talking about that. Um, just kind of like a little side, side note deal, because I definitely do want to talk a bit about uh, th- this event that I went to. The Night of Legends, ACW, Wisconsin, was absolutely a lot of fun. If those of you who have not seen, you know, on the twi- on Twitter, I'm still trying to work on getting stuff up on Instagram. I need to start doing that more frequently, but Instagram and I, we're just kind of like, eh, we're okay. Um, but it was a lot of fun because the matches were just great. Uh, got the chance to meet uh, Ted DiBiase as well as Arn Anderson. And I'm going to tell you this right now. The show starts off with Arn Anderson literally coming out, and he talks about how it's really cool that he gets the chance to come to Wisconsin. He barely got a chance to do that uh, during his career, which I think was a big misjustice because he found out the in the best way that Wisconsin fans are some of the best fans in wrestling. Uh, he talks. He actually is a very humble human being. He literally came out and he said, "You know, if weren't for you guys, I would not have a job. I would not have a paycheck. So thank you guys so much for for you know coming out here and for supporting these men and women." It's one of those things where it's like I have a newfound respect for an Arn Anderson. Even talking to him one on one, hearing him literally say to us, "Hey, thank you for supporting us." It's one of those things like I I never thought I'd see that day. Arn Anderson, member of the Four Horsemen, probably one of the most dastardly factions of all time, literally saying, "Hey, thank you." It's like, well, this is this is new. I keep I keep forgetting there's a difference between kayfabe and reality, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. That is that is who I am. Uh, the event itself, like I said, was really great. Uh, Ted DiBiase came out. He paid a kid a hundred bucks to do ten push-ups. He did not trip him, which shocked me. I was like, oh, well. He, I would have thought that you know at nine he would have just kicked his arm underneath him and just done that, but it's like nope, ten push-ups, boom, here's a hundred bucks. <laughs> uh, my well, a good friend of ours. He is the million dollar. He is like the million dollar pastor now. That is true. So that is true. I th- I think he was just uh, he, he was being a good Christian boy. <laughs> and then uh, my bu- my buddy uh, Tommy T Dub three, he came out basically tried to uh, basically make it see. Seem like, oh, this is a waste of time, having all these legends, and blah, 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 stuff like that. Ted DB, he locks him in the million dollar dream. Then he does the million dollar uh, sweep to it as well. He puts $100 in, <laughs> in T-Dub's mouth, and then he's just about to leave, but then he comes back, grabs the mic, he says, you're not worth $100. He just grabs the $100 from his mouth. <laughs> and Everybody's got a price. <laughs> it's literally one of those things where I bust a gut laughing, and... Uh, and T-Dub, he actually posted a, a video, a picture of that deal where he said, like, okay, so in August, I got, te- I got, hit, got, you know, it was Booker T. This time it was Ted DiBiase. What is going on with my career? And I literally said to him, okay, well, 
if this is how it's going, every other week you're getting attacked by a legend, we can expect a gore from Rhino on you come December, because they announced their uh, anniversary show in December, that they're going to have Tommy Dreamer and Rhino be a part of that show, so, oh, that's going to be good, so for me it's like, the show's not complete unless I see my, fr- my friend T-Dub get gored by Rhino, then it's a complete night, <laughs> just... <laughs> Uh, but the biggest highlight from ACW Wisconsin here was that we crowned a new ACW heavyweight champion in Logan Lynch. Kaluchi came so close to winning the championship, only to have it snatched away from him, not by Logan Lynch, but by his own tag team partner, Swoggle. Yeah, so the referee got knocked down. Kaluchi hits a Death Valley driver. We're getting like the one, two, false counts and everything like that. Kaluchi goes out, he's basically trying to revive the ref, Swago turns Kaluchi around, spits, like, I think it was like a, some kind of beverage in Kaluchi's face, and leaves the ring, this allows Logan Lynch to take the advantage, hit him with the knee for the victory, Logan Lynch is the first ever two-time ACW heavyweight champion, so he made history. Uh, one of the things that's kind of funny was that my buddy Max, a.k.a. Agent Blocked, if you ever want to check out some pretty hilarious tweets, um, he's literally, like, distraught, like, why, Swoggle, why? Because there's this picture on Facebook that a lot of people probably haven't seen yet is uh, of us just hanging out and him having just, like, this giant smile on his face with his favorite tag team, uh, tag team move, Kaluchi and Swoggle, only to have that just shattered by the end of the night. <laughs> and... It's literally one of those things where he asked me, you know, why would Swoggle do this? And I said, he's literally like John Cena, only a heel. He'll take the children's money and then spit in their face. That is how I'm describing Hornswoggle after this past Saturday. And honestly, it's so entertaining just hearing, again, these reactions from him. Just hearing him be like, no, Swoggle, you tore apart my heart. Why must you do this? But I'm very interested in seeing how they do this and what you know Swoggle's uh, reasonings are for break for breaking up the team. So I'll probably find that out in a few weeks when they go back to Tanners. And you know what? I'll make the announcement right here because I've been partnershiping with ACW for a better part of this year. I think ever since Water City Wrestling Con and. I've been talking about you know getting involved in the business and stuff like that, and I've been talks with management. You can probably expect to hear a familiar voice when it comes to the ACW uh, anniversary show, meaning I will be doing commentary for that show. Now, whether it's going to be you know color commentary, play by play, I don't know what it's going to be. It's literally one of those things where as long as things are you know working out well. I will be doing commentary for that show. I'm very excited to do that. I've been told by people, oh, dude, you'd make a great commentator. You'd make a great commentator. So it's like, well, now's my chance to see if if I'm, you know, if I'm just a bunch of hype or if I'm, like, the real deal. We'll find out come the anniversary show. I'll try to get some clips of it, maybe post it on the uh, podcast later on in the year, maybe even early next year. We'll have to wait and see. But, no, I'm looking forward to this. ACW has been a really good company to me, and they, I've tried to, in turn, be good to them. They always appreciate, you know, the support we have for them. Uh, I always try to, you know, go to people, give them hugs, or give them hand, handshakes and say, hey, thank you for everything you do. You guys do a fantastic job. Uh, one other shock deal from this 
deal was that Cody Jacobs won the their version of the Money in the Bank uh, contract, which is the All Star Trophy. And funny thing about it was that he was supposed to use his sign to win the matchup, but unfortunately, what ended up happening was I think somebody either stole it or somebody moved it or something like that. Who knows at this point? But I had purchased a sign from Cody Jacobs that he used during a show in Merrill earlier this year. So literally, he couldn't find his sign. He goes over to where I'm sitting, grabs the sign that I had, and that's how he won the matchup. He basically hits the hits uh, Seth Gambino in the face, wins the trophy, and he has one event left until that trophy, I think, expires. So something tells me he's either going to walk out with the ACW World Title or the ACW uh, Water City Championship after before the next show ends. That's how I feel about that. But that was my Saturday. ACW, just absolutely fantastic. A great way to just spend the weekend before we get into talking about Hell in the Cell. Oh, boy. But, oh, gosh. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for ACW coming on the, the later years. Uh, I'll even probably be doing a couple other independent shows throughout the year. I know um, Great Lakes Championship Wrestling is actually doing a seminar with Road Dog in January, and I've been told, you got to come to one of our shows. And I said, like, you know what? If I'm going to be going anywhere, it's got to be one with Road Dog. So early January, I can tell you this, GLCW, you can expect that the Game Changer is going to make a presence at that event. All right, so let's talk about Hell in the Cell. Um, kind of one of those deals where you had four matches that you had hyped up, and that was it. We had a pre-show match with Natalia versus Lacey Evans, which they made it seem like, oh, it's going to be the last time that they're fighting against each other. Oh, wait, we forgot. They're fighting in a last woman standing match the following night. Um, Nat, Natalia, spoiler, won both matches. She defeated Lacey with the sharpshooter at Hell in the Cell, and then she won the last woman standing match by sending Lacey Evans off the stage with a powerbomb, which is nice, but at the same time, I think the, well, you know what, let's not kill Lacey Evans. Let's, she, she already, you know, paid her severance by paying, you know, the traffic deal or ticket for Canada, and she also got beat by a Canadian two nights in a row. I think that the karma for Canada on Lacey Evans has been fulfilled, but I don't know. What do you think, Mr. Fretz? <clears throat> oh, Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, Lacey Evans, you have to prove to, uh, uh yeah, she got what she got what she deserved. Yeah, <laughs> don't you dare disparage my home and native land ever again, bitch. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't see this match. I barely saw the Last Man Standing match. I think I just I had Raw on my my Xbox in my bedroom here, and then I was just drifting in and out. Because uh, did I work Monday? Oh no, my mom was visiting. That's what we were doing. I was in between that and. Talking to my mom, FaceTiming my cousin. So I, out of everything we had this week, I actually saw very little. But from what I saw from that, like you know, they're both fantastic performers. Like Natty and Natty can go. Lacey still on the green side, but I think she can definitely improve in ring. Like that moonsault she does is pretty sick. And you know, well, she's got she's a heel character for life with this. Sassy, sassy southern gimmick. <laughs> Take a drink. <laughs> this is gonna be a long ride. Hey, uh, it's Coke. I have to work it. I have to work in three <laughs> hours. No beer until I get home. Yeah, not a problem. Hi, dog. 
Hey, hey. Man, this is why I put you guys in the other room. Because you guys are going to disrupt the podcast. But you know something? Yeah, special guest here, uh, Bailey, and also Lambo. They're just kind of sitting here, kind of chilling. But I guess there's a couple people outside from, I think from the electric company, I want to say. They're just kind of doing their job. But I guess somebody wants to uh, let them know that, hey, we know that you're there. Don't do something crazy. Um, my neighbor's dog. My neighbor's dog was outside, so I had to go shut my uh, my bedroom window because I heard my my other neighbor was out there looking for his pooch. So yeah, two two dog run-ins here. Right. Oh boy. Oh, I love that. I love that name. Two dog like, run-ins. Uh, that's a Packers thing, isn't it? Probably. I, I think it is. So we start off the show with a Hell in the Cell matchup because why not? Uh, kind of wishing that this was the main event compared to the actual main events, but we'll talk about that later. We have Sasha Banks challenging Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship. Honestly, if you could find a better way to put a to make a Hell in the Cell matchup for the women compared to the last one they had, which was Sa- Sasha and Charlotte, um, yeah, I'd say good luck with that because honestly, this was really good. This kind of had like a Usos and New Day kind of feel to it because they were trying to be innovative. They tried to be different with a lot of deals. Um, I love some of the spots that were going on with this where, oh, geez, like even the start of the matchup where Sasha's just brawling with Becky. Becky tries to fight back, but then she grabs the chain that would just keep everybody locked in and nobody getting out for the cell. She uses that on Sasha just a lot of this great stuff that they were doing here, it definitely does make the match feel that much more like it's better. And I think it makes the Raw Women's title that much more more, more prestigious, in my opinion. Uh, gosh, geez. This is just great. I think there was like a little crazy spot that was innovative. It was like, holy shit, kind of moment. But it was like, well, it seems like, okay, at least they're doing something new with this. Uh, Becky puts like, two of the kendo sticks at the side of, at one of the corners of the cell. She props a chair on there, so it's kind of one of those things where it's like the chair looks like it's levitating or something like that. Sasha gets put in that chair. Becky does like a drop kick to her. Still one of those things where, you know, ouch, it hurts, and then you have to go from getting hit with a drop kick to falling down on the ground. That's still going to hurt. But it's still just fantastic. Yeah, I didn't see this this match, Nate. Uh, hi, Nate's gonna go let out the dog, so I'm just gonna <laughs> take over here and podcast by myself. Hi, this is the Fretzelmania podcast. Oh, wait, no, no, it's not. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> I, I didn't know how long you're gonna be gone, so I was gonna go. I'm gonna, I was gonna go on a riff track there. So, yeah, I, I have Markiplier. <laughs> yes, I or like Mystery Science Theater 3000, or that one that. Um, well, the Patreon show that Mance does. Uh, oh. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see it. I've been meaning to rewatch this match, but I just haven't gotten to it yet. Uh, everything I've heard about it was phenomenal. This was the point of the night when I was I was looking for, for streams, and every single one was unreliable, or it just kept freezing. And I thought, fuck it. I'm going to look up ExpressVPN, see how much it costs, uh, which is just a kind of thing where I can basically make my computer seem like it's in America, which is actually more legal than the streaming sites that I've been going to for the past 
decade. So I now have the WWE Network, and I got... Um, I think I joined the show at about Ollie versus Orton. And oh, then okay. I missed, and then I missed the main event because I had to go to work. Yeah. But I did keep tabs on, on Twitter and then watch... Well, watch the world melt, but uh, my reaction might be a little little more level-headed, just so you folks know. So yeah, I have the network, so I didn't have to take anyone's uh, canceled subscriptions. Right. Oh, geez, there's been a lot of people that have been canceling uh, their subscriptions. but no, I did Well, yeah. Uh, but I actually do want to talk about something that's kind of funny about that uh, when we get to the end of, the sh- end of this uh, review, because we got... We got like we're reviewing two shows here, but uh, the end of the match saw uh, Becky locking in the uh, actually it was like a beautiful uh, chain wrestling deal where she finally is able to lock in the uh, disarmor deal. We see Sasha actually grabbing uh, she's trying to grab a candlestick and then she's grabbing Becky's hair. She's grabbing the candlestick. It's kind of back and forth kind of deal there. And then Sasha taps out. Matches over. Becky Lynch continues. Her reign of dumbheads. And like I said, I still believe that she's going to hold that title all the way to WrestleMania where we get the rematch between Ronda and Becky, which I think is the best way to do it. And honestly, Becky's not been a bad champion. There's people that are saying like, oh, I'm getting stale of her. I think she's getting kind of boring. Honestly, no, I don't think she is at all. I think that they just need to incorporate different you know, deals with her instead of having her do the whole lovey-dovey deal with her and Seth Rollins because we already know that they're dating. Thank you very much. Oh, and friends, did you know that Corey Graves and Carmella are dating? Holy cow, it wasn't made official until this past week, Total Divas, that I could give two shits about. Homewrecker, excuse me. Um, Woo! Oh, no, no, no. It's not a homewrecker deal. Carmella basically clears it up. She's saying, oh, they've been divorced for a while. He moved out. He's got his own place. So, it's cool. It's like, okay, I I feel nothing. I feel Then, like, I, then what? Was his then what was that? Uh, I hate talking about relationship drama. I fucking hate it. It's high school all over again. Oh, God. But okay, uh, then what was that reaction that Corey Graves' wife had? Because that was um, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it's like, well, you know what? I, how I talked about things like I missed my garbage can infidelity last week and. Well, I guess that missing the garbage can is symbolic. Um, yeah, I the the less we talk about total divas, the better. Because I don't watch that shit. <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah, there's a literal point where where um where where there's like a confrontation between Nia Jax and Carmel. I've only seen like clips of this. Thank God I haven't seen a full episode. But there's one where Nia's just like, oh, well, I just don't like you. And Carmella is, like, all distraught about it or something like that. It's like, uh, okay. I mean, I'm not liked by everybody, I guarantee you. But I don't react like that. I'm not like, no, this person doesn't like me. It's the end of the world. It's, like, it's really stupid. Anyway, let's talk about some, something else. Like, like I said, first Hell in the Cell match, great. Very great. We go into the Tornado Tag match between uh, Rowan, Harper, Roman, and Brian. I was expecting a heel turn. I was not expecting it to be a really good matchup here, and it honestly was. These guys literally just laid it all on the line. We had uh, Harper and Rowan being that you know bruiser like tag team where they're just you know throwing everybody of all of our on the ring. They're doing tag team moves. They're just brutal on each other. 
Just absolutely insane. Uh, God, jeez. Just, oh God, that, that, spe- that spear on, Ro- on Rowan to the, uh, through the announce table was insane because we see Roman actually holding his knee after he hit it. I'm just like, oh, no. Is Roman okay? Is Roman okay? Is he is he hurt? Okay, we're good. We're good. Uh, no, in the end, we see Rowan and Harper fall to the team of Daniel Bryan and Roman. Nothing really too noteworthy. I think there's like a couple of, like holy shit moments here and there, but nothing like too crazy. Uh, but it ends on a very unique note where we see Daniel Bryan and Roman. They're kind of celebrating. They're also kind of banged up a bit. You kind of see like Daniel Bryan's kind of limping. Roman's holding his ribs. It's kind of those things like, wow, they kind of did a number on each other. This is this is kind of a good, really good matchup. I like it. Um, but Daniel Bryan literally was thinking like, oh, I don't want to do like handshakes. He spreads his arms out. Where does this seem familiar, ladies and gentlemen? Where? I'll get out. I'll get out. Where's Doctor Shelby? Oh my gosh. We and we literally do see Roman and Brian hug it out. It's a nice little moment. They're buds or something like that. I don't know. I still feel like there's a heel turn coming. I don't know why, but I just feel like I feel like Brian's gonna be the one that's behind the whole uh, deal with Eric Rowan and Luke Harper, which in all honesty makes sense to me. But that's just me. Like I said, it was a really good matchup. It has those like you know holy shit kind of moments, but not one of those things for me was like too noteworthy. Uh, then we go into the matchup that you were just uh, talking about that you entered into, the Mustafa Ali-Randy uh, Orton match, which was honestly really good. My God, Mustafa Ali literally looked like he went through a car wreck after seeing that uh, deal with his uh, abdomen. There was, like, there was like a welt or a scar or something like there. I don't know if it was... I'm trying to remember what, what, what exactly happened. I don't know if maybe it was because he got landed... He landed on the table wrong or if Orton just... Or if he got tossed up and he just landed in the wrong way. But I just remember seeing that waltz. I'm like, ooh, Mustafa, jeez. you got to take better care of yourself there, bud. Uh, but he does, to be fair, because he had one of the most impressive counters to the RKO that I have ever seen. Where it looks like he's about to hit it, but Mustafa Ali does like this handstand to kind of prevent him from getting the full brunt of it. It's like, oh shit, what, what just happened? We see a crucifix roll up by Orton. Uh, well, on to Wharton for a very close two count. Orton hits the RKO for the one, two, three. Orton wins, proving that, hey, you can get away with anything if your name is Randy Orton. You can get away with dropping the N-bomb by getting drunk, talking about how AEW is better, and blah, blah, blah. And nobody will care, apparently. <sighs> Mustafa said no idea what you're talking about, but okay. Uh, I, I actually remembered I did see the uh, the tag match, and it, it was just wild. Uh, as I, I don't, as I said, I don't remember too too much from either, just because I was in between. Like I was either I was asleep, or I was you know talking to my mom, or I was doing something else. Same thing with the Orton Ali match. I was just looking at my clock, and I'm like, Am I gonna miss? Yeah, I did. Like, I saw the fiends like two mi- two seconds of the fiends entrance before I had to go to work. So I wasn't paying that much attention. <laughs> I was going um, to say it was an awesome two seconds, though. To be fair. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. It, it always is. Ah uh, man, but um, you, you know what? I'll probably have to tell you the whole Orton thing uh, during the commercial break to kind of give you a little perspective on that. But we'll get that to that after this event's over. Um, 
the Kabuki Warriors defeating Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross for the tag team titles. Kind of a shock, actually. It was a pretty stellar matchup, uh, but the major shock was the whole deal where Asuka decides, hey, I'm going to be a Tajiri. I'm going to spew green mist out, to which I'm like, oh, damn. That's awesome. And that's how they win the titles. I mean, they they pull that gag again the following night during a match with Charlotte and Becky, which, you know, I, I, I understand it's it's a heel deal, but at the same time, if you use it too much, it's going to take away from the deal from there. Just maybe have Asuka do that, like, every now and then, and then have also have Kyrie do some of the heel tactics, like, you know, you know, foot on the ropes or pulling a handful of tights, stuff like that. Although I'm pretty sure people are not quite ready to see Kyrie Sane as a heel compared to Asuka, who did amazing work in XT as a heel, even though it wasn't quote-unquote confirmed that she was a heel. It's like, no, she's doing heel tactic deals. This this is her being a heel. Oh, but she's not acting like that. She is. Literally look at her matches with Ember Moon. She's legit being a heel. Don't even try that. Um... Six-man tag, forgettable. Hey, who's Viking Raiders' mystery partner? Braun Strowman. Yeah, they beat the OC by DQ. You know what? Screw that match. Sorry. I, 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 I don't care. Um, Gable and Corbin fought against each other again, which was still a pretty good and stellar matchup. Gable picked up the victory, which was really good. That was definitely something that should have happened. One critique I have about this, if you're going to have Gable utilize the ankle lock as his finisher... Maybe actually have him use it as a finisher instead of just being one of those things where like, oh, Corbin's not tapping, Corbin's not tapping. It's like, we get it. Corbin didn't tap when Angle put it on him. But maybe it's because Angle was losing his grip or, I hate to say this, but when you get older, you kind of lose, you know, you know parts in your body and one of them has to be muscles. So maybe Gable has a better, you know, crank on it than Angle does. I'm, I hate to make that statement, but it's something that would make it realistic at least. Um, then we also saw Gable getting assaulted by Corbin, so the feud is not over, and they keep making short jokes. Just, for the love of God, stop. Just please stop. At least they're not doing, like, the Slam Master J gimmick with Shorty Gable. Oh, when I first heard, like, Shorty G, Shorty Gable, I'm like, oh no, they're going Slam Master J. Uh, this is gonna be, like, crime time, but with... Chad Gable, but he, I like, I found it funny, I kind of liked it that he was, that he embraced the shorty thing. Like, okay, that's cool, I mean, like, like I'm short, like, I'm probably, like, let's see, Chad's gotta be about, what, 5'9", five, 5'10", five, I'm 5'5", five, five, so, yeah, I, I, I've heard all the short jokes, I'm too short for rubber coasters, I hate heights, so you won't even see me on them anyways, and with my back. No chance. <laughs> yep, yeah, they had a good one. There was um, oh, I was trying to think. We we were a couple of matches ago. It was before the six. What was the one before the six man tag again? The uh, women's tag team title match. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that one. And uh, say the Kabuki Warriors are definitely heels because speaking Japanese makes you a heel. Oh, joy! Yeah, that, that that's why Shinsuke Nakamura's heel. Yeah, yeah, and we'll see how many languages can Cesaro speak. Cesaro can speak like six languages. So, there you go. Not speaking English makes you a heel in North America. Come on. Right. Uh, although, although, honestly, I kind of would love to see, this is still a bit of a long shot, I still would love to see maybe uh, 
the Kabuki Warriors and Nakamura kind of create this small little faction, and all they do is just speak Japanese to each other. Oh, that'd be amazing! Now that I think about it, and and just and, and just have Sammy just just have Sammy Zayn there, just kind of going like, okay, I'm I'm just here. <laughs> he's just oh my god, oh Kabuki Warriors with Sammy Zayn. I would I would love to see that actually. So please, I would love to see that. If you want me to make a viewer of your product, WWE, make this happen. Let the Kabuki Warriors and Shinsuke Nakamura have a little faction, have Sami Zayn in there just because he's Sami Zayn, and he's out there for both of their matches. Just let let that happen. I want that now. Give me what I want. <laughs> Give me what, what I want. want. You know something? I think that after we get through the main event, people are going to probably be a little more lenient on Batista after that, with that kind of stuff. But we still got one more matchup before the main event, and that's the SmackDown Women's Championship matchup, Charlotte versus Bayley. Honestly, a pretty good matchup between the two of them. Uh, we got to see a little more heel tactics from Bayley, mainly uh, her using the ropes for leverage to kind of ensure that she gets the victory. And it actually is kind of funny. It's like, one, two, wait, whoa, 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 what are you doing? And Bayley's just like, no, 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 I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to do that. I'm just one of those things where it's like, Bayley, you are such a tease when it comes to being a heel. Just embrace it. Don't be that person. <laughs> but at the same time, it's what makes her a really good heel is that she thinks that she's doing good and she thinks that she's being a great role model. In the end, in the end though, she, uh, <laughs> she, she ends, she winds up losing. She gets locked into the figure eight, a little bit of what we saw on SmackDown and Charlotte wins her 10th SmackDown women's title. Uh, honestly, it was one kind of those things where it's like, I, I feel either numb to it or I'm just like, I, I'm okay with this. I'm okay with Charlotte winning this one. I mean, Bailey got a victory over Charlotte at, you know, Clash of Champions, even though it was really dumb. Uh, I was still okay with this being a thing, but it's one of those things where, trust me, uh, somebody's already beat her to the 16 marker, and that's the one and only our truth because before this matchup even started, Still one of the highlights of the night for me. We see uh, Tamina pin Carmella for the 24-7 title. She's basically running out to the crowd, and then she goes into the announcer areas where we have, like, the international announcers. Here comes R-Truth and Carmella. They're basically coming out. Tamina's trying to use Funaki as a shield. R-Truth does the crane deal. And then we just... Yes, we see the return of Kung Funaki. Just him... Doing like these moves, and Archie's is like, "Hey man, I don't mean any disrespect to you, bro." <laughs> he's, it's like he literally sees Kung Fu Naki, and he's like, "Dude, no, no man, let's not go down this route." Tumina pushes Funaki into our uh, truth. Carmella hits a super kick. Our truth pins Tamina to become the twenty-time twenty-four-seven champion. My God, he's gonna be a twenty-four-time champion. He. It's 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 gotta at least be in the fifties by the time you know this entire year is over, in which I'm okay with because it, that is gonna be one of those funny things that we'll see during his Hall of Fame ceremony, where he's just gonna talk about all the great people, all the great matches from his fifty wins as world as the champion. And then he'll pin someone on the stage and win the title oh one more time. Yes. Oh my god! If he tries to retire with the title, but somebody pins him. And it's Drake Maverick, and he finally consummates the marriage after that. <laughs> 20 years later. <laughs> I 
fucking finally boned my wife. writing uh but your thoughts on this matchup between bailey and uh charlotte it was fine like they those two can put on a good matches against each other in their sleep i mean they're two of the of the best uh female in-ring performers on the main roster uh i'm fine with the result i i told you that uh bailey was gonna lose in her hometown well sacramento is not quite san jose but no you, you didn't know, really that you california that. is well, Southern California on the ma- and the major cities down there are fairly close to each other. Like, I was in San Diego, well, this was like about six years ago now, and uh, we wound up in um, right near Martin Luther King Boulevard during rush hour, so we were right outside of L.A. Not fun. Ten-time uh, champion Charlotte, it's it's fine. I mean, I, I like them. I really like them both, and Bailey is really leaning into her heel gimmick, uh, Charlotte, I think, is a bit more effective as a heel, but with the right writing and the right uh, opponent, I think she can thrive as a babyface. Just as long as you know she's not the type to really lean on the the heritage of her last name, which she kind of does, but it, it's not something that is her complete identity. Like she's her own person, and I, I, I like to see a good long reign with Charlotte. I don't know where you would go from here uh, for an opponent with her. Like, Ember Moon, like, she deserves, like, another crack a crack at it, so why not have a Charlotte versus Ember Moon match mm-hmm. at Survivor Series or something? Because, I'm gonna be honest, like, every, like with, well, with the result of the, of the main event, everyone is just assuming that, oh, we're gonna get Brock versus Seth again. Yeah, they're both champions, but... Who says Survivor Series is going to be champion versus champion? Like, I don't think that's going to happen this year, to be honest with you. It's overdone. Uh, I mean, you could also mention the fact that they WWE decided to post a tweet and then delete it because they're idiots. <laughs> well, that's what... Well, Sacramento kind of blew their load on this one. Like, the Sacramento Arena. Oh, um, that's you know, right. What was that rock promo? He's just like, you know, I'm leaving Sacramento. I can't wait to get out of Sacramento when the Lakers beat the Kings in May. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, since since when are the Spurs in the playoffs anyways, right? So, <laughs> oh, wait, not the Spurs. That's San Antonio. God, Kings. Oh, Kings, yeah. yeah. I don't watch NBA. The, the, the only time I watched NBA is when the Raptors won the uh, the championship, so that's my knowledge of basketball. Oh man! Well, here it is, ladies and gentlemen. One of the more negatively talked about, as well as critically acclaimed for some people, main events of Hell in the Cell's history. That being the Fiend versus Seth. Okay, so I'm going to start with this. Everything that was built up to this was great. Match itself was pretty darn good. Until we reach the final portion of it. So, Seth Rollins does his deal where he's just spamming the curb stomp, which, honestly, this is the third event that they've done this. They have legitimately harmed the curb stomp more than helped it. It's literally one of those moves where now it's being spammed like, you know, power bombs to the turnbuckle, 
or Super Kicks, BK, aka Super Kick Party, aka Young Bucks. No disrespect to them, but let's face it, they spam that quite a bit. Um, third event in a row that they've done this. I mean, for Brock, it made sense. For Braun, okay. For Bray, it's kind of a gray area. I mean, I should be talking about it's The Fiend, of course. So we literally get, you know, The Fiend kind of dominating here. He's basically looking like the Jason Voorhees of WWE, where it's like you can't keep him down. He's not going down. We're seeing Seth Rollins throwing everything at him, from steel chairs to ladders to curb stomps. Uh, at the end, we see him breaking out a, a, a toolbox, and he's using that. Then he breaks out the sledgehammer, which should get a good pop or a decent pop. Nobody gave two shits about it. As soon as the stomps were going, that's where people were starting to lose interest. That's where it was like, great, we're we're getting this. We're getting something really stupid. The referee tries to be the voice of reason here. He says, no, don't do this. You don't want to do this. Seth is thinking, okay, maybe I don't want to do this. Maybe I don't want to do this. No, I'm going to do it anyway. Boom. Hits the uh, place where uh, the Fiend's head is. Referee calls for the bell. Immediate nuclear heat. Let's just explore some of the reactions from this, shall we? People are pissed off that they thought it was a DQ. Even though they're changing it to be like, oh no, it was a referee stoppage. Even the referee says, I stopped the match because I was trying to look out for the well-being of the wrestler. I understand that, but at the same time, this is Hell in the Cell where anything goes. You don't just do that. X-Pac. WWE Hall of Famer. X-Pac. Is watching this with so many other people during WWE Watch Along. And he is even pissed about that. Where he literally says, I don't care. I'm probably not going to be back on a network deal like this. But how can you win with a DQ with a DQ finish. I actually, I'm going to pull up the exact quote in here because I really want to quote X-Pac on this. It's the first time I've legit done this. And it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, we need to, uh, we, we definitely do need to kind of do that. And so many people have been saying uh, that this event was a bad show, as bad as it gets. Two great matches on them, as most of the show was skippable and the ending was fantastically stupid. That is legit what so many people have been saying about this. Like I said, I really want to try to get this uh, quote. Uh, Yep, here it is, here it is. Um, Acknowledging that WWE may not invite him back to such a reaction shows, X-Pac nevertheless questioned, and I quote, how the hell do you get DQ'd in the hell in the freaking cell? Honestly? It is one of those things that it does two things. One, okay, I should talk about the finish. This gets even better, ladies and gentlemen. After they call for the bell, here comes a stretcher. They're basically looking to take your Bray out. Seth Rollins stands over him. He's kind of just making sure that he's gone. The Fiend grabs him, does the mandible claw deal, beats him on the outside, and then we get the deal where he does the mandible claw again to the point that... Seth Rollins starts bleeding out of his mouth. I'm a little insulted by this. I'll tell you why. Because somebody else did this beforehand, 
And when he did it, it was absolutely brutal. It was also fascinating. It was also interesting. The person to talk to? The White Rabbit. Also known as Killer Cross. He did this in Lucha Underground. But what he did was that he took a white glove. Locks in the mandible claw. Referee calls for the bell. Match is over. And you just see a little bit of blood coming out of the mouth. Also blood on the glove of Killer Cross. That was scary. That was legit amazing. How these guys did it literally looked like it was a cheesy 80's horror movie deal. Where Bray Wyatt's locking in this mandible claw. Seth Rollins has almost like ketchup coming out of his mouth. Is literally how it looked. And how do people react about this? Well, after the whole logo deal's done, I'm sure that there were so many people that were threatening to cancel their WWE networks and didn't. But there were people at the arena that were just booing this. They were saying restart the match, saying bullshit, chanting AEW, even chanting refund. One of the first times in a long time that we've heard that from fans. I think the last time that they actually asked for a refund was with the backlash events between Roman and Samoa Joe. I want I want to say it was probably that one, um, but it's been a while since they've done that. Now, here's my issue with this. I first of all, I get it. This is making Bray Wyatt look strong. He didn't lose. He didn't win. It's just kind of one of those things where it's like, oh, he makes the fiend look strong. If you want to make him look strong, put him in a credible feud where he can win, where he can build himself up again. Don't have him do this shit. Number two, that I have one of the reasons why I have this issue with the ending of it, you literally did this a year ago. You had Brock Lesnar come in, he beats down on Broman and Braun, and the matches end, ended. Do you remember an event in 1997 called Bad Blood where a certain somebody made their debut, attacked somebody, but the match still went on, and they declared a winner. Do you not remember that? No? <laughs> well, may, well, maybe we'll have to remind you of that in the future. Um, you had the same outcome, basically, where the referee stopped the match and made it a no contest. This is hurting the stipulation of Hell in the Cell. This is harming it to such a large degree. Because this is supposed to be like a climactic deal. This is supposed to be a big deal matchup where you have brutality, where you have lives shortened, you have careers altered, you have everything going on. The history of everything from 1997 to right now. You have so much history with Hell in the Cell that you ruined it in arguably two nights. And, of course, the main night was this past Sunday. So for those of you who are saying, like, it made The Fiend look strong, I understand that. But you have a marquee matchup that has been tarnished forever because of these two stupid stipulations. It pisses me off. That's one of the reasons why I hate it. That's one of the reasons why, you know, I can praise them for, hey, making The Fiend look strong. But you've also tarnished an event that you have as a marquee deal. And you just don't care stupid. I've gone on my rant. Mr. Fretz, your thoughts on everything. Okay. <clears throat> so, I echo everything you say there. Hell in the Cell, I think this gimmick, this match, 
is dead. The Seth versus Fiend match was freaking phenomenal. I loved the red, the, the red lights, the atmosphere, uh, the I think the, the writing. Like other other than the finish, which I think this, I'll just say this before I start talking about the match. I just think the wrong story was conveyed. It was misunderstood, and I'm I'm with everyone being pissed. I do think there was a massive overreaction by a good by a good chunk of the audience. Um, like I'm just going through my Twitter history here, and I had this one guy. He looks like he's in his forties. And he's like crying and throwing down a replica title belt uh, repeatedly, and I'm just like, wow, like, okay, come on. Uh, people were sending Seth and Vince fucking death threats over this. Come on, like, I'm I'm more I'm more ranty about the some of the fans than I am about the match itself. Like, I was watching the. I didn't listen to Kings of the Rings yet, but in their description, <laughs> King Ricky says he becomes a Mark Slayer, so I can't wait to see what he thinks about this. Hi, Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going through some of my Twitters here, and I'm like, I'm just going to echo a few things that have been said. If you go to a wrestling show to chant the name of another company, you're part of the problem. Stop. I fucking hate when people chant AEW at WWE. Go chant AEW at AEW. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm pissed. I'm like I'm clearly pissed too. But it's like it's like you, if you go to an NHL game and you start chanting NBA. No, no, no. And I uh, let's see here. I'm just going to try and echo what some people said here. Like, Ryan Satin is, you know, the one positive we can glean from tonight's main event is that The Fiend is clearly over as hell, and people want him to be his champion. He got up from 11 stops, and then every weapon shot thereafter. And I think him being down and the paramedics coming out, he was playing possum. I mean, they still want to try and convey him as a heel, and playing possum is something that heels do. Unfortunately, Seth Rollins, I think, got the Roman Reigns retiring the Undertaker pop, reverse pop, and I don't want to say it backfired, I don't want to say they backed him to a corner, I, in my heart of hearts, I think this was designed to make Seth Rollins the top heel in WWE. Cause they, and then Vince like they were saying, oh, Vince was spotted laughing at the reactions. You know what? I was laughing too because of like it was so vile. And I've never heard the last time I heard such vile venom coming from the crowd was the night after WrestleMania 33 when Roman Reigns stood in the ring and said nothing for ten minutes. Like because we thought the Undertaker was done, and if he was done at this point in time. Well, you know, I think Roman Reigns would still... He would still be a bit more over. Um, and I'm going here. Bray Wyatt guy underscore 98. The Fiend isn't buried. He's 2-0. and He laid out Seth in a puddle of blood and was the only one left standing after all those curb stomps. This isn't the end because it's about to get much worse for Seth. Like I said, we don't know what's going to happen. Be positive. Black heart emoji. And then people were going after. Um, I don't know if you know who uh, Jesse Davin is. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Hoodie, blonde hair hoodie. She oh, yeah. is such a sweetheart. Jesse, big shout out to you. We love you. 
Yes, uh, yes. I, I absolutely adore her her videos, like, you know, the AEW hoodie, and she does these little reactions. Kind of, like, reminds me a little bit of of Issa. You know, I, well, she's a very busy lady, so big, big shout-out to Issa, uh, but fuck Brock Lesnar. I mean, <laughs> oh, crap. Uh, bleep that. <laughs> so, for, for some reason... They were going after her for... I, I, I don't pay attention to Twitter drama. I'm just like, scroll, 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 scroll. Wow, this guy's being a dick. It's like, And then scroll, 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 scroll. Really, guys? You're DMing strangers and sending your cock? Come on. But... Oh. So, she, she locked her account for a couple of days, didn't do videos, uh, recently started tweeting again, and it's just... Have, you can have different opinions in wrestling. That's why it's wrestling. Don't be a dick. And this this main event, this finish, just brought. I think it brought out a really, really bitter side about a lot of people. I wanted the Fiend to win the title too. Honestly, I don't. I think wasting it on a B show like Hell in the Cell would have been almost a waste. But it would also have popped the crowd. It would have popped some ratings because ratings went down. Well, they only went down by two hundred grand. Uh, this week compared to the season premiere, but it was because it's a season premiere and maybe the Monday night football game was boring. Uh, so the fiend, the fiend himself, the fiend is an unstoppable monster. And that story was absolutely conveyed and excuse me, told in this match, nothing can keep him down. He's the new dead man. He's the new Kane. He's the new Jason Voorhees. Seth's desperation to do anything it took to win, like stomp after stomp after stomp after, okay, now I'm going to get a little bit darker. I'm going to get a ladder. I'm going to get a chair. Folding up ladder into the chair was disgusting. Right on the head. Awesome. I'm going to get the toolbox. Okay, here we go. Bam, hit that too. I'm going to get a sledgehammer because Bray Wyatt hit me with a comedy mallet earlier in the match. Okay, this is where we draw the line, ref. Uh... Okay, that was dumb. Right there. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Stupid. Stupid. Uh, but I I want to see where this goes. I am still optimistic. Like The Fiend is going to have his moment. It's going to happen. And I think it's going to happen a hell of a lot sooner than people think. Maybe Survivor Series. Maybe Rumble. If you wait this up till Mania... Honestly, I think some of the fans might get impatient and start getting, uh, start, you know, canceling the network again and, um, and go from there because we all, we're all thinking, we were all thinking Demon versus, uh, Fiend at Mania. Well, now Finn Balor is in NXT. So where do you write, where do you write the Fiend? I have fantasy booking ideas all cooking up here, but I won't share them because I've just been, rambling on nonsensically and rabbit trailing like I like I always do. So yeah. In, in a few in another few more words, Seth Rollins let him in. I think it's probably one of the best ways to put it. Uh, <clears throat> what I was gonna say with the whole uh cancels WWE network deal, uh we know a lot of people that have cancelled it. Uh Ant's gone on record to say that he's cancelled it. Another person who got on record to cancel said that she canceled it was uh, MJ. So shout out to MJ for this. I actually replied to her and I said, they have till the end of the year 
to really start changing things around, changing things up, getting better. Otherwise, my subscription with them is null and void. So, WWE, you got till the end of the year to change my mind that you guys are cha- are doing things better. Because right now, I'm on episode two of AEW, and so far, I'm still pretty nostalgic with them. So, we're definitely going to be talking about that. We'll talk about why in just a bit, you guys. We're going to take a little quick commercial break, and then when we come back, we're also going to discuss the one of the events that probably had one of the most horrific buildups that any world title match should possibly have. We're going to be talking about No Mercy 2002. So, guys, stay tuned. We will be right back. Oh, God, kill me. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? My name is King Ricky Rose, your co-general manager of WrestleAddict Radio and your host of Kings of the Rings podcast. And if you enjoy what you listen to each and every week here on WrestleAddict Radio, we invite you to enjoy even more content from us on our exclusive Patreon page, where for just $5 a month, that's right, $5 a month, you get bonus content and commentary from each and every show here on WrestleAddict Radio. That means bonus content from the Kings of the Rings podcast, from Not Your Mama Soap Opera, from 4 Wall WrestleCast, from the Gipta Podcast, and from the Game Changer WrestleCast. So for $5 a month, go to patreon.com backslash WrestleAddict Radio, sign up, you get exclusive content, exclusive access to us pretty much 24-7, and exclusive shows that can only be found and are exclusive to patreon so again folks patreon.com backslash wrestleatic radio five dollars a month all the content that you could ever want in wrestling enjoy Oh no, is probably the best way to describe our feelings towards Hell in the Cell. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Game Changer Podcast, part of Russell Attic Radio. I'm Nate the Effing Great, joined here by Mr. Fretz. All right, Fretz, you ready to talk about some elite wrestling? All right. Well, for those of you that are going to be curious, this will be up on Patreon for the most part. So AEW had its second show, and also I actually want to talk about this a little bit. I love the fact that they also have a YouTube uh, channel, and they put up the show called AEW Dark, where you have a little bit of the highlights of the previous episodes, but you also have matches that seemingly you know people wanted to see. Or some stars that did not get just to get on national TV. Uh, one name in particular that I kind of want to mention that will be a part of next week's show will be Sunny Kiss because I was there at you know Starcast. I've kind of mentioned this and getting a chance to meet Sunny Kiss. I basically told told him that hey, you're going to be a game changer in this business. I definitely do guarantee that. Uh, same thing I could say about Sammy Guevara. We'll definitely talk about him in just a bit as to why he's going to be a game changer. Um, but yeah, I literally 
went on record after the episode was over. I just made a tweet where I said, so I'm watching this episode, and once again, I don't see Sunny Kiss anywhere, so there's only one thing I have to do, dot, 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 hashtag book Sunny, hashtag AW Dynamite. I didn't get blocked. I didn't get you know mentioned by that. All I got was a retweet from Sonny where he said, where he said, be sure to check out next week's episode of AEW Dark. So it's like, yes! So Sonny will be a part of AEW's uh, next week's episode. Uh, I am very interested in seeing who Sonny faces and how well that goes. It's going to be awesome. But talking about AEW this week, we actually kicked off with the first of the quarter of the is it the quarterfinals? It is the quarterfinals. Jesus, Louise. Well, first round matches for the uh, tag team titles, which we had the Young Bucks versus Private Party. Oh my gosh! I at the start of the deal, I had my prediction. I had my thoughts, and I was like, I want this to go this way, but I think they're going to go this way. Uh, boy, was I surprised at the end of this matchup! Really great matchup between these four individuals. They put on one hell of a matchup, and it shows you that they are serious about making this tag team division legit. They even had some of the tag team members uh, uh, around the uh, around at ringside, behind the barricades. They're basically just kind of watching this matchup. And in the end, we see uh, Private Party almost getting set up for the Meltzer driver. Uh, we see that getting disrupted. Private Party with a victory roll. Private Party wins. A shock of the night. I was literally like, okay, this was this is new, but this is great. This is showing that hey, we're showing that you know we have faith in this new in this new members of the tag team division. They put on one hell of a matchup. Absolutely loved it. You know whether it's from the dives or from like the fake outs. Like early on, they had this deal where the Bucks were trying to go for the super kicks, but Private Party was able to either like duck it or stop it or do something like that. That was great. Um, it just was a fantastic matchup, and honestly, a bit of a shocking uh, turn of events. I was not expecting them to go the route with uh, Private Party, so honestly, congrats to Private Party for picking up the victory. Uh, next week, I believe it's uh, the Best Friends versus SCU, if I'm not mistaken. I, ble- I, I believe yep. it is. So Jurassic, Jurassic Express versus uh, Lucha Bros. That's right. Well. That is right. I do. I remember that now. Um, but honestly, Fred, what did you think about this mat this matchup, this first uh, round matchup in the tag team tournament? It was phenomenal. Uh, I'm on board with the private party now. Uh, when they were at like, was it Fight for the Fallen or Fighter Fest? I didn't know who these guys were. Now I'm like, oh, these guys kind of remind me of um, Street Profits. But then after these matches, I'm like, no. They're a million times better than the Street Profits. These are two guys. Their act is really over. I love that uh, bouncer with the, um, what's that, that rope thing at the entrance. Yeah, no, that, I liked that too. That is a, that is a really cool uh, addition to the gimmick. I Oh, I love these guys. They, they can go. My, my lord. Give me Street Profits versus these guys. Screw it. Do it. <laughs> see it. Honestly, it'll be a part of War Games. Let's face it. Um, we get into a segment where we have Chris Jericho come out with uh, Jake Hagar. We have LAX. I'm still going to call him LAX until they give him an official name. Uh, as well as Sammy Guevara, where Jericho is putting over everybody. He's talking about how these are his friends. These are his closest friends. He talks about you know, hyping up Sammy Guevara, uh, LAX. Uh, oh, my God. 
the shots are creative for J.K. Carr's We the People deal. You know, fans are chanting it, they're chanting it, they're chanting it. And Jericho literally just says, yeah, we the people. Yeah, that's dead and buried. Screw creative for that stupidity. <laughs> to which I'm like, oh my god, he literally just called out WWE creative in the best way possible. I love it. And they, he, you know, he didn't, you know, diminish any of his, you know, his prior accomplishments. He said, like, yo, yeah, he's a former world champion. But do you know what he is now? He's one of the most dangerous men in all of MMA right now. He's undefeated. To which I'm just like, okay, they're reestablishing him. This is actually a really good move. And all, all it is is that, you know, while LAX and Sammy Guevara, they're kind of doing, like, reaction stuff like that, Jake is literally just standing there kind of emotionless, kind of not moving a, an inch, to which I'm just like, ooh, they're trying to make him into a very, you know, just like a really uh, uh, dominating presence, which he does a really good job at that. I remember his stuff in uh, Lucha Underground was just great. Um, and we get a confirmation that this is a faction, and the name of the faction is The Inner Circle, to which I'm like, you know what? I, I dig it. I literally dig it. They're in the squirt circle. They're the inner circle. That's... That is totally fine with me. I love this segment. Jericho literally was the only one that talked, and he put over everybody. I can't hate this segment. I really can't. Uh, that was just awesome. Uh, right away, I'm getting big-time like evolution vibes, and Sammy Guevara is like when Randy Orton was young, and then evolution, like the blue chipper kind of deal. I'm getting that with Guevara right now. I've seen very little of him myself, but uh, the future is bright for this kid. And uh, yeah, that that shot was funny, but I'm like, don't re- don't rely on taking pot shots at your competition. I know Nitro did this in the '90s, but it's like, okay, yeah, it, it's fun, but don't rely on it. I like it. It's funny. I'm I'm on. You want me to pick a side? I'm on Team Wrestling. I've said that before. So this, yeah, this is a, just a great faction. And their uh, their T-shirts crashed ProWrestlingTees.com during, during Dynamite. It was just gone, like sold out, gone. It was like that, uh, that Bray Wyatt Firefly Funhouse, you know, toy set that they only made 500 of. <sighs> Why? Shout out to Jeremy Bowers. I actually got one of those. Jeremy, you're the man. <laughs> That's, that, that is pretty awesome. Uh, next matchup we had on here was a number one contendership matchup for the AEW uh, world title. Winner would face Jericho the f- next week. That being between Jimmy Havoc and Darby Allen. Oh, oh I, I love this matchup. These guys literally put on a wrestling clinic when they went to war in the uh, three-way uh, Cracker Barrel matchup. These guys literally are just like, you know what? We're, we have some unfinished business. They put on an excellent matchup between the two of them. Darby Allen picked up the victory with the... Uh, uh, oh, jeez, I'm trying to remember what his... Uh, was finished with. Like, the, the coffin drop, I believe it is. Hits it on Jimmy Havoc. One, two, three. That's it. It's That's over. Darby Allen will challenge Chris Jericho next week. Yes, please. Because all I'm thinking to myself is, okay, this is the guy that took Cody Rhodes to the 20-minute time limit. He is going to do phenomenal stuff with Chris Jericho next week. That's what I have to say about that. It's going to be awesome. 
Just awesome. This is a star-making performance for Darby Allen, uh, and he actually landed a coffin drop. <laughs> what? Because every other time I've seen him, I'm like, "This move is stupid. You're hurting yourself." My fused back is absolutely cringing seeing it, but now he landed it. But I still think it's a it's a risky move because you're falling backwards and you don't see where you're going. I mean, he almost missed him. I think. It wasn't botchy, but I'm like, you were this close from not hitting that coffin drop. Uh, have a look next time you look back there for Darby, but still, Jericho and Darby, like, Jericho's going to make him look like a million bucks. This match is going to be awesome. And I, I love me some Jimmy Havoc. Give me more of those uh, Cracker Barrel matches. And while you're at it, Cracker Barrel, I know you're all in the States and we don't have you in Canada. Uh, send me some of that fried chicken somehow. That'd be tasty. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, another matchup we had on here was a women's tag team matchup in which we had Rio and Britt Baker taking on Bea Priestley as well as Emi Sakura. Uh, this was a pretty good matchup. Nothing like too spectacular. Uh, it ended with, uh, oh gosh, I, as soon as I see this uh, submission maneuver by Britt, I'm literally thinking to myself, okay, if it's her gimmick, but also if it's her real life job, and it's literally one of those things where it's like, I don't want to be on the other end of this. That um, that modified, like, uh, what, what do they call it? Like, Batista used to do it. It was like a beast bite maneuver. But then she adds the mandible claw to the lower jaw. Just, oh, just was absolutely amazing. And they, it was just a great matchup. We get a little bit more of the uh, Priestley and Britt Baker uh, rivalry going on to the point where actually on Twitter, um, Britt show. Britt showed the fact that she actually got a little bit of a black eye from Priestley. So it's one of those things where it's like, you know, the war's not over between the two of them. But it's going to be put on hold for the time being as Pre- as uh, Baker will challenge Rio for the AW Women's Championship on this next week's episode of Dynamite. I'm looking forward to that matchup. That's that's going to look really awesome. That's going to be amazing. Ooh, oh, women's wrestling is, is in a good place right now in AEW. And I want to see uh, Dr. Britt Baker do a mixed tag match with Isaac Yankum. <laughs> that would actually be amazing. Oh, jeez. Fretz, you, you slay me, my friend. Um, we have John Moxley defeating Sean Spears in a pretty good matchup. Uh, honestly, the only thing that I have like a bit of a quote-unquote, I guess, issue with is that Sean Spears has not picked up his uh, first victory in AEW yet. I'm hoping that'll change within the future. We'll have to kind of wait and see how it goes. Uh, but after the match was over, oh my gosh, uh, Kenny Omega came out, and John Moxley is looking up at him. He sees Kenny Omega holding a barbed wire baseball bat and a barbed wire broom. I give him points for originality. That's amazing. And it looks like they were going to have like a bit of a fight between the two of them with the barbed wire stuff. But Pac, who was on commentary, comes out, and assaults Kenny Omega from behind with a steel chair to the back of the head. Not even, like, to the back. Blindsides him, like, with the back to the back of the head with the chair. That just was like, ooh. Mm, that's that's rough. But, no, like I said, Sean Spears, John Moxley, it was a great matchup. And I guess Pac is going to be involved with the Omega-Moxley feud. Is he going to be on Moxley's side? Is he going to be a part of, like, a three-way deal? Who knows at this point? Honestly, 
it's going to be awesome no matter what they do with this. I don't care what it is. Just more, please. Give me a Cracker Barrel Clash with those three. Just do it. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be absolutely amazing. Uh, finally, we have the main event, which was... Uh, Cody, which was up to, not Cody, uh, Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara defeating Dustin Rhodes and Adam Hangman Page. We see uh, Jake getting involved, and he actually did a pretty awesome, pre- pretty awesome deal. Oh my gosh. Just literally just taking down Dustin. Jericho hits the Judas effect to pick up the victory. Uh, then the lights go out. Lights come back on. Here's Mr. Cody. He comes out, he tries to beat down on the inner circle, but all the other members come out, they beat him down. Here comes MJF, who gets one of the biggest pops of the night, and looks like he may go for Cody, but then he decides, no, I'm not turning to heel yet. Boom, 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 just beats down on everybody, but then gets beaten down himself. Uh, i trying to think, was there anybody else that came out? To, oh yeah, the Young Bucks came out to kind of even the odds a bit. Jericho's trying to leave, he's just like, you know, hey, you know, I will see you November 9th, Cody, blah, blah. Then out comes Darby Allen on his skateboard, and he assaults Jericho. This was awesome, just seeing that, and Jericho's just saying, you know, I'll see you that, I'll see you full gear, Cody. Darby Allen, I'll see you next week. But, you stupid idiot. I actually just says, I, th- I think he had like some kind of line, where he where he talks about be, beating Darby Allen like a bitch, to which I'm like, oh my god, I legit love heel Jericho. This is all I need in life. This is all I need. So AEW puts on a fantastic, fantastic show once again. Why is this on free TV again? I forget. Yeah, I have. I just have something lined up for um, Darby Allen on his skateboard. Please don't let an ad play first, but... <laughs> as soon as I saw that, I'm like... Oh. Tony Hawk's pro skater, Darby Allen. Let's go! Oh, I'm, uh, I'm totally all for that. And that, that would have came in handy for Raw's um, quarter pipe ramp. Just, just as literally like one of those things, we see Darby Allen just come into the show, and he just starts like going on the half pipe. No explanation, no nothing. They're just saying like, "Oh, it's a random fan trying to do shit," and the internet goes bonkers. It's like, no, it's Darby Allen. Holy shit, he just did a half pipe on Ross skateboard deal. He just um, comes out, does the nine hundred. You hear the duh, like uh, special effects sign sound from Tony Hawk. Oh, and there's something about Tony Hawk in my Wayback Machine when we get to No Mercy, so full circle. Woo-hoo! Take yes. a shot. We, oh, gosh. We love doing our full circle stuff. Uh, speaking of No Mercy, let's get right into talking about it. Um, no Mercy 2002 happened on October 20th in North Little Rock, Arkansas at the Altel Arena. Tenants of 10,000. Honestly, watching the show in its entirety, it was not, not really bad, but... As we do these deals, we like to step back into our way back when machine and talk about some of the great things that happened during this time. And obviously, 2000s probably not as you know crazy as you know 1998, which had you know Legend of Zelda. But there has to at least be like one or two things that at least were worth noting. Yeah, 
Well, here we go. So, in theaters, October 2002, we had the terrible, terrible Adam Sandler comedy movie, Punch Drunk Love. Oh, gosh. We had The Ring. And the first Jackass movie. Oh, damn. Now, what was I doing in October 2002? Well... I was in my last year of high school in grade 13, or if anyone from Ontario was listening who was closer to my age, it used to be called OAC, but I got to graduate with the grade 12 class that year, so like the people that were in grade 8, when I was in grade 9, I graduated with all of them, so it was a huge class at like this small town high school, and Jackass, the Jackass movie was like the first movie I ever remember getting illegally downloaded like on a CD and sent to me. But the quality was like 44p. It was terrible. Uh, songs that were top in the charts were Dilemma with Nelly featuring Kelly Rowland. I think it was like their, their love ballad. Like, no matter what I do. I think it was that song. And oh. it was so overplayed. Um, in video games, we had Mario Party 4. We had Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4. Grand Theft Auto Vice City and Fire Pro Wrestling 2 for the Game Boy Color. Oh, wow. Advance. Now, Tony Hawk 4 is, well, I think at this point, the franchise itself had started to kind of uh, kind of wear out and get stale. You're doing the same thing. It wasn't until the following years, uh, Tony Hawk Underground, where you kind of had a, a story mode where you'd, hey, you're this skater in Jersey and you kind of want to go make it big, so you go hunt down... Um, all these pros and go to all these pro-ams and try and get noticed and do all these wacky videos with your friend and then, spoiler alert, uh, your friend turns heel and you face off against him in this big, wacky, obstacle course race back home in Jersey after the pro-am. And this was, the, like, Tony Hawk Underground, that was the game that my friend and I would, every Sunday after church, go to his house, uh, have a bite and play underground for hours. Um, I yeah, that's that's all I had for the Wayback Machine. It's a qu- it's a quick one this time, but it's not that memorable. I mean, you could make arguments that that's basically what you could say about this event here, but they had some, they had some like pretty good uh, matches here and there. We'll definitely get into talk about that, but we definitely need to talk about the start of No Mercy, where literally we have. Before we even get to like the promo package deal, hyping up the big event, we have literally Undertaker sitting there. He's looking at his cast, caused by Brock Lesnar, his opponent tonight. Then next comes his brother, Kane. He's sitting next to him. And he just said, and he says to him, So, how was your week? <laughs> One of the best openings to any pay per view ever. I'm going to make that statement right now. Uh, they do the hype package of, you know, hey, this is what's going on between between Brock and uh, between Bro- Brock and uh, Taker, as well as between Triple H and Kane. Oh, God, we're going to have so much to talk about with that, and I hate it. Um, can you say literally dumb booking 101 and also Reign of Terror at its earliest? First matchup on the card is the uh, World Tag Team title match between Chris Jericho and Christian, 
challenged by Booker T and Goldust. A lot of people might not remember that Booker T and Goldust were, in fact, a tag team and had some of the most entertaining and most hilarious skits that you will ever see, whether it's Booker T dressing up like a lumberjack, the whole Star Wars deal with Booker T just playing with a lightsaber, uh, the whole deal where Booker T is trying to have her own nice romantic evening, Goldie comes in just to just to be a part of it, and all just to get Booker T to say, hey, I want us to be tag team partners. Now, they tried to recreate that with our truth and gold dust. It was like a passable one. There were some moments that were like so hilarious, like the whole deal with <laughs> with our truth giving him pizza and Goldie saying like say, say like yo like pizza like cheese gives him gas or something like that. Just one of those things where it's like, okay, that they had some shining moments in here. That's that's kind of funny. Um, match itself was honestly pretty good, and this was the ongoing story was that Booker T and Goldust they wanted to win those tag team titles, but this matchup also featured a very well-known botch and is very much highlighted in Botchamania where Mr. Chris Jericho was trying to do a, a springboard dropkick to Booker T, who was on the outside, but unfortunately the middle rope broke. So they had to wrestle with only the top rope and the bottom rope. The middle rope was was all gone to shit. Uh, the matchup ends with Jericho hitting a one-handed bulldog on Goldust on the title, and then performing the Lion Salt, one of the few times he won with a Lion Salt, uh, to retain the title. So Jericho and Christian, being the villains they are, they retain their titles, and we were thinking, oh, it's probably going to be the end of Booker T and Goldust getting the tag team title match. No, by the end of the year, Booker T and Goldust do, in fact, win the world tag team titles. So that was a really great moment. This was actually a really good way to start the feud up between the two of them. Um, and it does kind of play in a little bit of factor to the uh, match at Elimination Chamber, but not really like too major. Um, but yeah, no, this was a great matchup to start off the show. Yeah, it, it was a great hot opener. Uh, I remember that uh, that famous botch now. A uh, shout out to Matthew from Botchmania. Uh, and also I have to shout out, I've been listening to the Ruthless Aggression Era podcast with uh, Kyle and Levi. They... They are just absolutely hilarious, uh, and, they, and I listen to their their No Mercy review, and they go over a bunch of this stuff. And I love that. Well, Jericho and Christian—they're kind of the um, the ashes of the Un-Americans stable from two thousand two. And by Canadian law, they were they were one of my favorite stables until uh, TNA's Team Canada came along. And and I think well, a lot of people will think. There's going to be some hot takes in here, and I'm not I'm not about to disparage the United States here, so bear with me. Um, that whole they capitalized on this heat at the exact right time in American history. This was that that, that post 9/11 patriotism, and I I admire them for capitalizing on that heat and doing that you know upside down flag. And isn't that and I think it's up here it. We don't fly our flag. I've never seen the Canadian flag upside down, but is the upside down flag not like just a sign of distress? I honestly don't know. That's a really good question. I've that's it's one of the first few times that I've uh, I've ever heard of that. So I, it's either that or it was just okay. You're getting heat, and the heat got huge 
I mean, like vile and venomous. Of course, they of course they got all the pops in Canada because, hey, we're your allies. But I mean, eighteen twelve. <laughs> I'm not going there. I'm not starting a war again. <laughs> but they they absolute. I, I adore them for absolutely capitalizing on this heat at the right time. And I, I loved even more that they had William Regal was involved in this because you add in like okay, so Canada is still part of the monarchy. Regal is English. It makes sense. Lance Storm was a part of this. And come like SummerSlam Unforgiven, uh, they got uh, not, okay, I'm going to use the B word again, but not really, kind of buried because Undertaker beat the crap out of Test at SummerSlam and I think the Un-Americans either had a title match at that pay-per-view or lost it. I'm slowly... Now that I have the network, I'm going to get into some of the stuff I missed. Like, I missed a lot of 2002, and it's a lot of people think, oh, this is where the Attitude Era ended. This is when the, the shows fell off. Hell no. Like, this, as we go off through this pay-per-view, it's mostly good. You know, I love that, uh, you know, Booker T, you know, he broke out the 110th Street Slam. And I love the shout-out again to Willie T, Strange Bedfellows Tag Teams. I am a sucker for those. Off the top of your head, Nate, uh, who are some of your favorite strange bedfellow tag teams, like besides Book Dust here? Oh, that you man. Can think? I'm trying to think of like a really strange bedfellow one. Uh, honestly, as weird as it sounds, I did enjoy the strange bellow fed uh, tag team of Eugene and Regal. These guys definitely were kind of like the entertaining babyface. They weren't like fully, like notably known, but they were still like very entertaining. Definitely kind of key points at the beginning. Uh, one team that I definitely will say was a great one that didn't get the proper, you know, dues that it got was Tajiri and Rhino. Oh my gosh, when you talk about yes. speed and power just meshed well together, that was literally what those two embodied. Um, another strange bedfellow one. I'm trying to think here. Uh, gosh, I'm trying to think. I mean, one of the biggest, probably strangest bedfellow tag teams of all time is still Rock and Sock Connection. You have yep. two polar opposites meshing well together and it just made sense that they would do that. And it's really crazy because some of these like deals they don't always have to like, you know, make sense. But as long as they kind of have like a common goal, that's what makes it great. That's why, you know, when we broke the news last week about John Morrison uh signing with WWE, one of the few things that went through my mind as days went on was like, are we possibly gonna get a reunion of Ms. Morrison? Possibly in the future, oh, which the dirt sheet. oh, even if it's like a one-time deal where they bring back the dirt sheet, I would be okay with that. That would be absolutely spectacular just to see the two of them just talking about like you know common nowadays deals, even taking shots at like independent deals. Where even Johnny Mundo could say like, "Yeah, I was in a uh, underground area for so long," and you know they ended up losing more people above ground than underground. It's like, man, that's saying a lot. <laughs> So if they take a, like, a quick shot at Lucha Underground, that'd be kind of funny. Um, yeah, those are the best ones I could think of. I, I, I don't even know if I would consider Ms. Morrison to be strange bedfellows. They were just kind of like a team that were thrown together, but they worked out perfectly. Yeah, creative just said, okay, you guys are clearly entertaining. You can, like, Ms. has the gift of the gab. Morrison, he's, chariz- he's charismatic. He can go in the ring. Boom, there you go. Uh, one that was actually not long after Ms. Morrison... I really liked it. it was very short lived, but uh, Drew McIntyre and Cody Rhodes. Mm. 
uh, Air Air Boom, and then the other Air whatever team with oh, Kofi Kingston and somebody else. Oh. Kofi Kingston and CM Punk, uh, uh, and then some teams that started out as a strange bedfellow that ended up being one of the most successful and over tag teams of all time in the New Age Outlaws. So it works, and I really like it. So to get back into here, I love you know there's like a really nice spot with the double bulldog. I'm a sucker for the spin Rooney. Like, I loved Booker T back here. Uh, there was a shattered dream attempt, I think, a couple times. That broken rope, remi- you got a broken rope in a tag team title match, kind of reminded me of that finish between the Rockers and the Hart Foundation from, oh, yeah. like, 1991 or 1990, something like that. And it's like, the Rockers won the tag titles. Oh, wait, no, decision reversed. The rope was broken. So if Book Dust won the titles here... I'm like, if we had, like, the Rockers finish, it just would have been so infuriatingly funny. Uh, and I got a comment about what's next here. We had SmackDown, number one and number yes, two, coming yes. full circle here. Oh and I'm like, okay, Funaki should have gone for the 24-7 title. I would have marked out so hard. He would be like, oh, I do the crane kick and then, you know, win. And we had Al Wilson... No understand the English language. <laughs> that's wow, that amazing. Terribly offensive in person. I did not attend. That is not all alive. <laughs> and it's like, you know, Al Wilson's just being a dick or he's being just old and senile or or something because... Well, here, um, here's where it gets to be funny is because the fact that uh, Funaki is just literally doing these deals where it's like, you've had these things happen to you with Don Marie. How do you feel? He gives no answer. And he's just like, well, this happened with you and Don Murray. How do you feel? It just keeps going for like three or four times, to which I'm almost to the point of breaking. It's like, Al, you're not even saying anything, and yet you're like one of the best things in the show. And just Shunaki having that killer line, like you said at the end, where he's like, you don't understand the English language. It's just like, Shunaki, I love you. This is why the reason why you're the man. You are just awesome. Just give me... Oh, man. And there's so many people who are like, well, how can you say that he's the man when Becky Lynch is the man? I. She is She is the only man in WWE. Let's just face it right now. But when, I, when, when I use one. that... When I phrase that he is the... When they are the man, because they are legit the greatest thing that happened during that time. Uh, speaking of Dawn Marie, we had her oh. match with uh, Tori Wilson here, which was... Uh, passable to say the least nothing really too crazy um tori hits a swinging neck breaker matches over one two three they continue this really weird feud where don marie marries al wilson and kind of one of those things where she where she like <laughs> where she kills him via too much sex it seems like it's like death by snoo oh my god death by don marie literally sounds like one of the best ways to go so the Al Wilson, the Al Wilson character, he went out the best way. I'm sorry, um, and this culminated in like a daughter versus step mother match at Royal Rumble, which again forgettable. But the only reason why it was so forgettable was because of the fact that Don Marie really didn't get too much in the way of victories. It was always Tori Wilson. I mean, understandably so. Tori Wilson is awesome, and she's one of the reasons why so many people got through their puberties. I was all, I was, uh, 2002, I was 18. My puberty was Sable and Sunny. 
Well, to- well, Tori Wilson is definitely high up there. But uh, let's go into the next matchup before we get too creepy. Okay, we already went there. Too late. Um, I guess no, we got- I, I went there in the in our Kings of the Rings chat last night. Uh, <laughs> um, so what I was going to say about this whole Don, uh, Don and Tori, like I think the match you're referring to is that No Way Out because like, I was listening to that last night on. No, it was it was, on, it was, it was Rumble. Ring. It was Rumble. Thank, well, they had a match at No Way Out too because they talked about it on the RA pod when I listened oh. last night, <laughs> and they made fun of the whole. It's like. And they make fun of the whole death by snoo snoo thing, which <laughs> Al Wilson, rest in peace, like, actually just this year. Um, it was the whole, like, if, if we ever get to do, like, uh, No Way Out 03, there was just such a creepy thing coming out from after this. It was uh, Dom Marie, like, luring Tori Wilson into the hotel room and then, like, you know, slowly taking off her. And just like starting to kind of go, hey, all right. yeah, that exactly creepy. Just and we're a month we're a month after HLA, so this was like peak um, creepiness on on telly. Oh boy! At least Rob Van Dam gave us a, a funny bad promo to kind of lighten the mood. <laughs> oh, that's that's right. Where he mocks Ric Flair and he does his you know his uh, wooing deal, his own version of the strut. Which leads into his match with Ric Flair. Uh, May I? By all means. I'm so sorry. He's just like, oh, I'm like, Ric Flair flies first class, and I'm stuck in coach, talking to coach. No offense. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Chair smashing, frog splashing, risk taking, yin and yanging, van damnating, uh... RVD. Then we see someone who who looked like Winona Ryder accusing Undertaker. Let's not go there because that was pointless and stupid. But what wasn't was Flair and Van Dam. Oh man. Yeah, honestly, I think that this was a really good matchup that definitely elevated Van Dam as a top tier uh, mid Carter. Actually, upper Carter. I should say that. Not quite to the main event level, but he definitely started getting more. Into the uh, in, into the higher range up here, and he definitely. I think that you know, once he reached the chamber, it's like, why is this guy not world champion right now? <laughs> he reached that point. This is where it was like, okay, yeah, he's starting to be a, a definitely a key player to the uh, Raw division. Uh, match itself, pretty good in all honesty. They definitely complemented each other. We had you know the high flying, fast paced style of Rob Van Dam, meaning the technical style. Of Ric Flair, uh, Flair locks in a figure four during this matchup, um, and it. This was a few times where it's like, okay, early on, heel Flair, his figure four literally got him like very little to no victories. So, kind of imagined it happened the way you guys figured it would. RVD would roll him up into a small package for a near fall. We'd get a rolling thunder by Rob Van Dam, followed by a five star frog splash for a Flair. Uh, loss and a Rob Van Dam victory. Honestly, honestly, a pretty good matchup. Uh, again, I think it helped elevate Ric Flair. Just well, actually, it didn't really elevate Ric Flair. It helped elevate Rob, I should say, a little bit more. Yeah. Well, you, if you share the ring with a legend like Ric Flair, no matter who you are, like even if you're like Barry Horowitz, you're gonna get uh, 
you're 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 gonna look gold. I mean, Flair is always gonna shine you up real nice. And uh, I I love that he was still doing his you know his sneaky low blow, working the leg, going to the top rope, which never ever works for Rick. Poor guy, like that that had that had to wreck his back and his hip because he did that for he did that in the, that spot in the friggin' eighties, and I think. Even in like a cage match against, I want to see, say, Dusty or Harley. He does that spot like off the top of a friggin' cage, you animal. Uh, yeah, Van, Van Dam was one of my favorites back in here, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal a line from uh, Jeff Hamachio. You know, I like the whole you know, say hi to Rob Van Dam, if if you know what I mean. Uh, I don't, but hey, it's a it's a nice uh, a nice homage and. Yeah, it was it was great to see him get uh, get into that uh, top tier talent level here. Definitely, definitely. Uh, speaking of, I honestly would say top tier talent. I mean, we go into the WWE Cruiserweight title matchup between Jamie Noble and Tajiri. In all honesty, these guys had some pretty underrated matches. In all honesty, Tajiri and Noble, again, strange bedfellows, but when they got into the ring together. They put on some very memorable and fantastic matches in all honesty. And this is kind of one of those examples of it. You had Jamie Noble trying to be like the sleazy sleazeball. Uh, this is during the time where he was the Cruiserweight champion. He and uh, Nydia were having their like on a romance. They're doing like the whole the trailer park deal where they're going to be all like this. And they get like that. I was like the, 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 the weird wide trailer or something like Double that. Double wide. Double wide. Thank you. Um. So they're kind of they're kind of living the high life right now. Um, now, of course, this does go into a different direction when we go into two thousand and three. But during this time, we see you know Jamie Noble and Nydia. They're kind of you know happy, lovey dovey, in love with each other. And Nydia is doing like everything that she can to help make sure that Jamie Noble holds on to that championship because if she doesn't have that title, then she's not going to get the nice fur coats and the double wide trailers and stuff like that. Um, Let's just say this, that Jamie Noble was the Heath Slater of WWE during this time. He had some of the best comedic moments, but he also was a really good wrestler. Uh, Again, fast-paced style by Tajiri. Uh, Kind of an interesting style by Jamie Noble. I don't know if he really had a style, except for when he hit his his Tiger Driver, known as the Gibson Driver. Uh, Honestly, he hits that so well. I absolutely loved it. Um... We saw Tajiri, you know, of course, doing his deals where he's trying to deal like, but he's trying to get the buzzsaw kick, but nobody was able to counter it. We see a tarantula. Love when he does that move. Then we finally get the buzzsaw kick onto Jamie Noble. It looks like Tajiri's going to pick up the victory. Nidia distracts the ref by planting a big wet one on him, which I'm just like, damn, referees are getting more action in 2002 than they are getting them right now. That's that sucks. Um, hey yo. Uh, Tajiri would try to go for a uh, victory roll, but Nidia was able to grab Jamie Noble's foot to hold hold it in, so Noble's able to have some little more leverage to reverse the victory roll into a pinning predicament of his own. One, two, three. Gets a victory. Uh, after the match is over, we get this very interesting deal where Nidia and Tajiri, they share a kiss, and Nidia's kind of like, whoa, that was, that was kind of cool. And then Jamie Noble does this deal where he just says, let me show you how a real man kisses a woman. They kiss, and then Tajiri's just like, nobody wants to see this. Buzzsaw kicks Jamie Noble's head, 
into Nydia, and I'm just like, oh, geez, her teeth have got to be wrecked after that. Well, at least they got, at least they're getting big paychecks, so they got to probably have dental at least. <laughs> so, honestly, like I said, this was a pretty good matchup. I think it's definitely a vastly underrated matchup compared to uh, some of the other matches. Honestly, it's better than the other match that we're going to be talking about. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, honestly, again, a prime example of the cruiserweight division at its finest produced here. Jamie Noble and Tajiri, two bright stars compared to the other six stars that we'll definitely be talking about later on when we talk about a certain matchup for inaugural championships. But before we get into talking about that, Mr. Fretz, your thoughts on this matchup as well as the cruiserweight division during this time? I loved the cruiserweight division between like uh, 02 and like 06. Like we had some great champions like Jamie Noble, Billy Kidman, my personal favorite, Paul London. Uh, it was just great. Even though a lot of these were relegated to velocity, I would watch every week. It was great. And I'll look at Jamie Noble and Nadia and think that uh, uh, dearly trailer park trash was just has never been so apt. Uh, Jamie Noble and Tajiri, I'm reminded of their uh, respective uh, matches they were having in WCW and ECW a couple of years previous to this, like the like Jamie Noble and the Young Dragons going up against Three Count, and uh, Tajiri having these just marathon three-way dances with Super Crazy and Little Guido, a.k.a. Nunzio. And these put these two guys in the ring, and it was just top-notch. He had one spot I wrote down, which is a crucifix reversal into a Samoan drop into a crucifix. That was fluid. That was perfect. Someone held up a sign that said, Cheap Pop, LOL. And I mark out for the tarantula, and I swear, I, even though it's an illegal move, I swear I've seen someone tap out to it. That might be me. This might be the Mandela effect. But, you know, Jamie Noble, he, he had a good Tiger Bomb. He beat CM Punk for the ROH title with that move. And at least I think it was the Gibson driver. But, yeah, yeah. Phenomenal. Man. All right, so now we go into what is probably the most horrific matchup in here because of the buildup. We have, oh, I guess I'm taking over for this one. Uh, Kane, the Intercontinental Champion versus the World Heavyweight Champion, Triple H. Title for title, champion versus champion. And you you would think that that's where the key focus would be on this matchup. Um, yeah, two words. Katie Vick. That is a name that is repulsive to us as Claire Lynch is to Christopher Daniels. Literally during a fan interaction deal, uh, I heard somebody yell that out and Christopher D- and Daniels just said, don't you ever say that name again. Apparently it's the best way to get blocked by him. Apparently it's one of those things that will get you blocked by a lot of things. Um... Yeah, this is literally one of those things where they bring up a story about how Kane was a murderer, he got drunk, and this girl got drunk, and they got into a car accident, and she's dead because of your stupidity, and then they decide to do some random sketches, which I'm not even going to discuss, because they're just too horrific to talk about. If you want to know more, just go to YouTube and type in WWE Katie Vick, and that's all you'll need. I hate to be that person that does that, but if you want to know the truth behind it, there you go. Uh, match itself, honestly, this was pointless because why do they need to absorb the Intercontinental title? Because apparently they think that, oh, well, 
this does not need to be around anymore. Of course, it gets brought back by Stone Cold Steve Austin. Thank God. Uh, months later. Right. Um, match itself, I think it's, again, passable. That's all I have to really say about that. A couple spots here and there were pretty good. We had Kane choke slam Triple H on the table. We see Kane taking out Ric Flair. We see a moment where, oh, maybe we're going to see Kane win the world title. And honestly, there's a part where it's like, oh, shit, they might put the belt on him. I know the result, but at the same time, this might be a close one. Referee get second referee gets pulled out. Uh, Flair get, beats him down, and I was thinking to myself, oh, "Okay, Kane's gonna wreck Triple H's shit by hitting him with a sledgehammer." Nope, low blow, pedigree, one, two, three. Triple H wins. You would think that with all this build up, that the hero Kane would be the world champion. It makes perfect sense, but uh, in the words of Dean Ambrose, nope. We see Kane lose, the title is absolved, not brought back for months, and Triple H continuing this reign of terror is like, hey, I'm a bad guy, I have humiliated you, uh, I got, I, I made sure that you would, I don't know why I'm going into like a Wade Barrett deal, but just literally one of those things where it was just so stupid. It, this was a matchup, I think, less said about it the more, just because the buildup was stupid. And the result was really dumb. What is it as infuriating as Hell in the Cell this past Sunday? Not quite. Because at least there's a payoff at the end of this whole entire deal. Where right now we don't really see too much of a payoff right now with the whole Fiend deal. I mean, at least they put on a stellar matchup. And hey, at least they had the balls to at least go with a stupid decision. They were like, hey, we're going with this dumb decision. It's like... Well, I can at least credit you for doing that. I mean, it's stupid, but at least, you know, you didn't make it a no contest or something. So, I can at least give that credit where credit is due. But, uh, yeah, Mr. Fretz, what are your thoughts? Uh, it's things like this is why I hate Triple H. I always have. I always will. I don't care that he's the dad of NXT. I respect that. But this reign of terror completely soured him for me, for life. Uh, the whole, okay, Kane's a murderer! Like, I got some Paul Bear, Bearer vibes here. It's like, well, Kane's a murderer. Taker's a murderer. This whole family's messed up. Uh, yeah, murderer! And I'm like, and in my, under my breath, I was going to make a reference to a certain super fly, but let's not go there. Um... I love that they brought in like a little bit of uh, the Hurricane and Kane. It's like freaks are cool, and he like Frenches Perry like right there after winning the titles. I love that you know Hurricane Helms like he got involved in this match and started punking Ric Flair for getting involved, and the match itself was just the match was okay, but the gimmick and the payoff was completely terrible and this is the point where i'm going to stop uh, stop recording but well for the um patreon youtube whatever after this after we rant this match but it's just yeah i think i'm i'm gonna use the b word maybe he was buried here but he never got like a win back maybe he had a couple of pinning the champion moments in a tag match but this loss wouldn't have been 
so terrible. It would have been fun like, if if the whole Katie Vick thing wasn't a part of this. This loss would have been fine, but they had to bring in some kind of stupid gimmick into this. I'm, I'm not gonna. We're not gonna repeat it. It's it's well known. YouTube it, but for the love of God, put your safe search on. Um, it's It is stupid, but hey, there's a there's a nice little shiny silver lining in this uh, dark cloud. Next matchup here is for the inaugural WWE Tag Team Titles, in which we had Edge and Rey Mysterio taking on Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit. Now, this is a beautiful thing because the tournament itself was set up to basically show that hey, Raw can have a tag team division, SmackDown can have a tag team division. Uh, they put on a really great tournament. They continued having the feud with uh, these two teams, also including the Guerreros, the infamous SmackDown 6, which, again, really great to see that. But I loved the stipulation that they added for Kurt Angle and Benoit to kind of start this whole deal off, where they're just saying, hey, we want you guys, we know you want to fight each other, but you need to put it on hold. We need to show, Stephanie even said, you know, we want to showcase that we have the better tag team you know, division. And if you guys fight each other, then what's going to happen is that you guys will be suspended one year without pay. So it's like, okay, so these guys have stakes into this. They actually are really making this you know, something very interesting. And they're just making it seem like, hey, you either get along or you're not going to get paid for a whole full year. It's like, I'm actually, I'm actually down for this. I'm kind of interested in this. So they built it up. The... Uh, the semifinals were Kurt Angle and Benoit taking on Los Guerreros. Los Guerreros seemed like they were going to have the victory, but Chris Benoit decided to play nice and work with Kurt Angle to ensure that they got the victory to the finals. Uh, Rey Mysterio and Edge, they defeated uh, Ron Simmons and Devon. A very unique team. Reverend Devon. I apologize. Um, the finals took place here. Honestly, a really great matchup, and it show. This is one of those matches where it showcases Rey Mysterio and Edge to the fact that they could definitely go. That they are definitely going to be a team, as well as a as well as singles competitors that could definitely carry their own. And obviously, that goes without saying. Future world champions, future Hall of Famers, definitely guys that just really encapsulated just imagination to its highest peak. You see a lot of great fast-paced deals with uh, Rey Mysterio. Edge kind of balances it out very perfectly. Benoit and Angle, they're doing their heel tactics, but also adding the technical style. I mean, Benoit, the true mayor of Suplex City, in all honesty. Uh, Kurt Angle, I think, would definitely be number two. And then we could, uh, we'll probably put Brock at number three at this point. No, no, no. Yep, that's right. I think Brock's in the top five. We're just going to say that right now. But... You got Taz, Benoit, Angle. Those are the top three right now. There's there's a fourth one in there somewhere. Um, but yeah, this matchup was just absolutely fantastic. This demonstrated how SmackDown could definitely provide a great tag team division and also create four amazing stars. And they did that. All four of these guys definitely put their bodies on the line. They created a fantastic matchup. And they ensured that Raw remembered that, hey, we can do it just as good as you, if not better. And this was arguably match of the year. And it's a tag team match between between these guys. 
So these guys delivered very well in the end, though. Uh, you see this deal where Kurt Angle and Edge they kind of uh, they they kind of do this deal where they uh, trade off ankle locks, and Edge unfortunately got the final ankle lock locked into him. Edge had to tap out your first ever WWE Tag Team Champions, Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit. And also, I want to do this note before passing off to you, Fretz. Um, I like the fact that they definitely did highlight some of the stories that were involved here. Like for Edge, he had that rivalry with Kurt Angle at the beginning of the year to where, you know, we, they talk about the whole him being bald deal. Uh, Rey Mysterio had a great matchup with Kurt Angle at SummerSlam of that year. And, you know, it was SmackDown matches, but Chris Benoit had great matches with Rey Mysterio and Edge both on those shows. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like they created great matchups. They headlined pay-per-views. What more is there to say about the quality of this matchup other than it's going to be awesome? Absolutely phenomenal. And I love that this was another case of uh, strange bedfellow tag teams. Like The whole tournament was mostly, except... Even Los Guerreros, because this is around the time they started tagging together. And it was just so, so good. And I loved the blue titles. Like, it, like here, like the debut of these titles had a little blue part on it. I loved it. You know, Benoit and Angle being feuding partners kind of reminded me of the bar a little bit. Uh, we had, you know, Los Guerreros was in this. And we had uh, Kurt Angle's You Suck Chance just still going through the whole song like you suck what and me being 18 I'm like he sucks what oh oh never mind never mind I'm not gonna judge you never mind um Cena and Kitman was a tag team in this uh, I remember that this was like ruthless aggression pre-rap no Cena was a rapper just after this so this that's an interesting blue chipper young tag team uh I wrote down here, Edge had his awesome Rob Zombie theme. I mean, oh, I love yes. I love Alter Bridge's Metalingus, but I also, I, I, oh, I've been, I listened to Rob Zombie since I was 10 years old when uh, White Zombie came out. And I used to think they were cool. I'm like, oh, they have a band as a guitarist. I love White Zombie. That's cool. Little did I know, so did Sonic Youth and the Smashing Pumpkins. So... Uh, awesome stuff here. This was a technical masterpiece. There was one wicked spot that was like a launching her and Karana in a headbutt and Angle and Benoit. Like, this was just elite SmackDown 6. Classic. Stuff I want to go back and start rewatching again. This was so good. Oh, definitely. 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 Um, so, next matchup before the main event was. Trish Stratus and Victoria battling for the women's title. I mean, I we kind of talked about this during the uh, Victoria retirement episode where I did enjoy the uh, hardcore match that they had at Survivor Series, which I definitely do enjoy that more than this matchup here. This one was just kind of like a basic start of the run-of-the-mill feud deal. Uh, ends with Trish getting the victory with a roll-up. Uh, but I will say this, that one of the highlights of that was after the match was over, Trish is kind of celebrating. One of the fastest reactions I've ever seen from a referee. Uh, Victoria gets like one kick in, and as soon as that kick leaves Trish's face, the ref is just pouncing on Victoria, not even giving her a chance to do another spot. It's like he saw it coming, and he knew it was going to connect, and there was like 
like not even a split second after it hit. Boom. Got to break up Victoria. Got to make sure she doesn't do that. I'm like, where is this ref during so many different deals over the years? We need more refs like him in life. Just him literally just being like, one move. No, no, you're done. <laughs> just, just that. Uh, like I said, this was kind of a more forgettable matchup, but that would be overtaken by their great matchup at Survivor Series. Honestly, that's more. That's all I can really say about that. I'm gonna have to watch that pay per view now. Uh, maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow. But there were some things I wrote down here. King, uh, the, the commentary in this match was just so weird. Okay, King's like, "Oh, I want to see some pedigree style puppies." What the hell? So you want to? I don't want to know. I don't want to know if it's Triple H or dog food. I I don't want to know, King. I don't want to know what you're into. And then JR is just like, Victoria is a chronically premenstrual. What the f- <laughs> And then that- King calls JR sexist, which is like the pot calling the kettle uh, jailbait. <laughs> oh, damn. And Rikishi was at the... This is when WWE New York was almost over. He's at the world. He talks about oh, Armageddon yeah. 2000, which was crazy. That little push he took off the top of the cell into that uh, bed in the back of the truck, which was all like, you know, sawdust and a mattress. But if he was an inch off, he would have smashed the back of his head off the, off like the roof of that truck. So, ow! Yeah, I mean, we, we look at it in those things where it's like, yeah, you know, that wouldn't look so bad, but it's like, you, you could think that it could have been worse. And then you're just like, oh yeah, you know what, we'll, we'll go with the safe deal there. It's still a very scary moment, though. Just him getting, like you said, you know, getting shoved off. It was supposed to be a choke slam, but you know something? Sometimes you just don't need video game life likeness, really. You really don't. You think you want it, but you don't. Uh... Speaking, I guess, of video game like this, we go into the main event, which is uh, Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar for the WWE title inside Hell in the Cell. Still one of the best promo packages I've ever seen. Uh, adding, of course, you know, that no mercy now, no more forgiveness. I love that theme. It's just, it fits the, it fits the entire pay-per-view perfectly. And the way that they kind of, you'll have the highlights and just those moments where you hear the no mercy, I have no mercy on your soul. Just hearing that, just awesome. Uh, match itself was honestly really good. But I will, I will say this before we get too deep into this. I did love the backstage segment where, um, where we had the whole deal with Tracy, where she's talking to Stephanie, and Stephanie basically helps her, Helps, you know, basically brings out, admits that, but Tracy admits that, oh yeah, no, Paul Heyman put me up to this, and I just want to be with him again, and blah, blah, blah. And fucking Undertaker's just right there, just like, you bitch. <laughs> I'm just like, yes, I love it. Oh, it's amazing. Ah, uh, man. That was just awesome. It just one of those things where it's like, hey, Biker Taker was good for something. So, match itself was just brutal. And this is one of those things where it's like, okay, this is definitely a, like 10 leagues 
above the Hell in a Cell matchup that we saw on Sunday. I'm sorry, but having Undertaker and Brock just literally just smash each other through you know, the cell deals. They even got Paul Heyman involved. Paul Heyman gets grabbed by his tie and pulled into the cell. That was funny, but also you see the effects of it. It's like, ooh, yeah, that that sucks. Um, Brock and Brock tries to go for the cast. Yes, he, he actually rips off the uh, cast of Taker's arm. So he basically now has a little bit more of an advantage. We see Undertaker hit the last ride, but get a near two count. He's thinking, okay, I'm going to try for a tombstone. Goes for that. One of the best tombstone counters that we will ever see into the F5 for the victory for Brock. And then Brock just opens up the cell door. He climbs the cell. He goes to the top, and just that visual of him on top of the cell holding the belt above his head, that was great. Now, of course, this would be watered down when we go a year later, and he faced him in a biker chain match because also Vince McMahon got involved because God said he should... Oh, God, no, 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 no. We're not talking about that right now. We're going to have to address that eventually, just not right now. Match itself between Brock and Taker was great. Absolutely loved it. Um, it is definitely a tie for match of the night between this and the tag team title matchup. But it showcased the brutality that these guys could do. It definitely started establishing Brock as a star again. This was great. I loved it. Yeah, I went in my notebook here and I'm like, oh, I didn't write anything down other than lots of blood. Wow. Then I looked down like, oh, my notes are for something else here below that. But, yeah, this was just bloody. It was physical. It was Tanker giving uh, Brock the rub here. And uh, I'm watching, I've been watching some biker Tanker back. Some of this is kind of cringy. Like some of biker Tanker, a, a little bit. Like by the time he was at this point, I'm, I'm just like, okay. Let's let's see the dead man again. It would be another year and a half. Uh, he'd have to be buried alive to become dead again, ironically. Uh, but yeah, this was absolutely nonstop physical. One of Brock's best matches. I think this was one of the one of the best Hell in the Cell matches. Maybe could be. Um, oh yeah. But, and it just. Yeah, like even like the storyline where you had you know Taker with his taped up hand, broken hand with a propane tank, like you know uh, Hank Hill's revenge here. Um, yeah, and there was this weird part with that one girl that was like his ex before Sarah. Like, uh, moving on. That, there's uh, <laughs> that, 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 that was unnecessary. Um, and, you know, I like the whole, like, how was your week with Kane? That was just, that was a nice, funny touch on on everything. Uh, I didn't write down many of the spots, but I just know they, they were both gacked. They both bled like crazy. And I was, I was mixing together, I was mixing up another match, but I thought Brock, like, took his blood and, like, rubbed it on him. But that's when he, uh, when Brock Lesnar, like, decimated Hulk Hogan. Yeah, is when like he took like Hulk's blood and like rubbed it all over him, kind of being symbolic about it. And yeah, and I love this was okay. No, this wasn't a brand exclusive pay per views, but I loved those. Like back in this era, 
I loved brand exclusive pay per views, and I hope they do them today. But I hope they don't do them like they did like last year, or they do like one every other week. You gotta oh. space it out. Like say it, okay, twenty twenty, start off fresh. Um, maybe after Mania, because I still think that you know Elimination Chamber should be dual branded. You should probably still do two of those, even though we're kind of getting into Hell in the Cell territory of, of overbooking it. Uh, Money in the Bank should probably be as well, but maybe I would prefer to have that match at WrestleMania. And then say, starting off after Mania, Backlash 2020, you have, like, Raw. And then May, what's May? Judgment Day, June, you can do Money in the Bank there, Jewel Brandon, God, do King of the Ring even. And then just alternate it, just six apiece, and you can even do those Blood Money shows. And uh, before we start closing off here, I just found something in our group chat. And SmackDown tomorrow night, well, it'll already be done by the time everybody hears this. Yep. But Friday Night SmackDown is going to open with Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins. Really? Hmm. Apparently, that's what uh, Pomaccio put in our group chat. And it has, like, the whole draft uh, logo thing on it, so... Ah. I mean, that, interesting. that does interesting. make for an interesting uh, dynamic. And it kind of... I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do the draft. That's going to be the weird part of this entire deal. Because Shane's gone, so they can't have him, you know, selecting for SmackDown. Uh, Stephanie could arguably, you know put like who goes where or something like that maybe it's a situation where it's a battle between husband and wife maybe Stephanie goes to run Triple H is running Smackdown which I might be okay with that because even though he's still got to run NXT it's one of those things where it's like well hey it's live on NXT on Wednesday so you don't have to worry about that then you know just take a day off hey go to Smackdown on Fridays just do that or maybe they bring I got an idea what's up Kevin Owens drafts for SmackDown because he fired Shane McMahon. Man, that that would be an interesting idea. I comes out with a KO shirt. Nice little look like comes out with a KO shirt. Uh, <laughs> damn, I'm not wearing my Kevin. I'm not wearing my Kevin Owens shirt today. That would have fit perfectly. I would have reached into my closet here, got the tie from from the wedding. It's like KO shirt tie comes out. Yeah, hi, I'm representing SmackDown because I fired Shane McMahon last week with my first draft pick. I draft the Fiend. Jeez. And then we'll go from there. And, you know, they're rumored innuendo. We might see The Fiend on SmackDown. So, who knows? Well, um, who knows at this point? But we'll definitely wait and see. Uh, for us, we'll be tuning in tomorrow on SmackDown to see what happens. Uh, but, guys, hopefully you've enjoyed this edition of the Game Changer Podcast, a part of Wrestle Attic Radio. Definitely got to plug them. Attic underscore Wrestle. Be sure to check out all the great podcasts. Not in, Also, including us, we have Kings of the Rings Podcast, Gifted Podcast, the Nacho Mamas Soap Opera Podcast as well as the 4th Wall WrestleCast. You can check out the one and only Mr. Fretz on his Twitter at the legendary JF. You can check out myself at Real and Game. Be sure to also... Nominations are still going for Wrestling Hub for, you know, best podcast of the year, best duo of the year, blah, blah, blah. If you feel like we've earned it, definitely check out 
and vote for the Game Changer Podcast for nominations. I know that I got a tag from uh, the one and only Ant about being a part of that again. So, Ant, thank you so much for the shout-out and for the love. Thank you for bringing us on to be a part of the Wrestle Attic Radio family. We definitely appreciate it. And, guys, be sure to tune in next week because we're going to be doing another classic review. And from what we have been talking about, it sounds like we're going into another Hell in the Cell matchup. So, if you think that you're out of the woods for hell, <laughs> you haven't seen nothing yet. So, guys, Mr. Fretz, I've been Nate the Great. This has been the Game Changer Podcast, part of Russell Attic Radio. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. Adios. Adios. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.